The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we discuss nights 13 through 17 of the Best Super Junior and World Tag League Tour, answer listener questions, and cover all latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share plus, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how are you doing, man? It is 9 p.m., and considering the marathons that these shows go, I've got myself some uh, Earl Grey, you know, steeping, drinking that with some honey, trying to uh, make sure this golden voice is taken care of so I can uh, bring everybody the best in New Japan coverage because we are the best. Yes, we are the ace, but you know what? I'm going to be... Go ahead and just bury myself here on top of the show and just full of transparency. You know, I, I'm a little behind on some of the shows that happened this past weekend. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I was out in uh, Pennsylvania with the girlfriend visiting some of her friends. Uh, saw a couple shows, did not get to see everything, and then came back yesterday, last night, and then I had an all-day uh, work thing that we were doing at work and dinner and Literally just getting home and settling down right now. I had to throw the rundown together, so I might be a little discombobulated this episode, guys. But this is this is uh, your number one priority in life, Jeremy. I don't understand a girlfriend, a job. Those are gimmicks, bro. This is real. <laughs> this is that shoot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh man! You know, Gallivanting around the Pennsylvania. Did you have uh, some scrapple? Some Pennsylvania scrapple? No. What, what's scrapple? disgusting it's one of the worst things in the history of fooddom but people in pennsylvania fucking love it it's horrible no like, I, I don't even know how to it's like spam but like mixed with other crap and it's at every diner it's like a pennsylvania like specialty it's horrible 
No, I didn't have any of that. I did meet up with uh, Josh number two from 8-Bit Suplex. He just moved out there. We found this uh, bar that had this unlimited fish fry Friday, and the fish was incredible. So the seasoning on that fish was great. came with fries and hush puppies. Uh, we, we killed it there. That was some, some good food. So overall, I had some good food on the trip. Uh a little bit cold, too much cold weather for my blood. You know, lows are in the 30s. Uh, not not oh, used to man. that. <laughs> yeah, you got worked. Um, we'll move on. I just want to, I'm going to put this out there in the universe. In July, it was 240. Been clanging, been banging, been working. Here's how I know I'm getting better at the gym. There's a, there's this dude there who's like a Muay Thai fighter. And, you know, this guy's like for real. He's bouncing, throwing the elbows. He wears he wears the Muay Thai shirt, shorts, with like the tiger print and like the actual shit and everything like that. He's he a real shooter. He's a real shooter. Man com- comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, you want to do some uh, some pad work today?" I was like, "Oh, no, no, man, I got a I got a routine, you know." But I was like, "Oh, this guy like thinks I can like <laughs> <laughs> grow with him," <laughs> but I didn't want to get exposed. So I was like, "Oh, no, no, no," I, you know. Actually, no. The re- the reality is, I I work out during lunch. I've only got a tight fifty minutes, and like I can't be standing there holding pads for someone else. I got to put myself over, you know. That bag's got to do the job, and like I've got to go over, and I can't I can't be sitting there like some jabron holding pads for, you know, some legit fighter while he gets his uh combos in. Like fuck that. Right. You can't get try and get somebody else over when you're trying to get over. Yeah, but the reason I say all that is this. I weighed in today tight 219, you know, jumped up a little bit during the Thanksgiving holiday, took a couple days off, set me back. But um, I'm going to rededicate myself to eating clean, saying my prayers, eating my vitamins, taking your juice in the gym. Yeah, taking the juice, (laughs) disposing of my needles correctly in in a biodegradable, you know, eco-friendly way. And uh, by the end of December... Young boy's gonna be down to two ten. That would equal thirty pounds, six months, doing it the right way. And then uh, I think we I think we should add some muscle going into next year, you know? Yeah, bulk up, man. Yeah, yeah. Clean bulk though, not the dirty bulk, you know. <laughs> I wanna you know you know who's got an incredible body? I wanna look like Hanma, but you know, not <laughs> not all the razor burns, but like that that dude, like, you know, he's got better body than Tanahashi. Yeah, Hanma is like low key Jack. Like nobody really talks about. It. We, we all focus on his neck and his voice, but this man be out here, body guy. Yeah, like I, I would be totally fine if I was living life with the body of, uh, save for all the injuries. But you know, the aesthetics of Hanma. That's what I. That's what I aim for. Yeah, and, and that man's all, always tanned, always sheened up. Uh, yeah, but do you think it's like kind of like, uh, you, you know, like. He's, he's got some, um, you know, Carmella action going on with his tan. Mm. <laughs> you know? I feel like, you know, one more shade and, like, we might be talking about some racial stuff, you know? Yeah, <laughs> might, might be a little questionable. <laughs> but uh, we got a lot of nights to cover, and it looks like I'm going to be doing all the heavy lifting since, uh, you know, you couldn't be bothered to uh, pull up N- NJPW World while you're on a flight or, you know, in between – you know the fish fries, so we gotta get this I, thing I, I going. I pulled it up twice. I, I watched two shows, but I, I couldn't get it all in. Well, guys, the big news is here, and it's not the big news you're thinking of. It's the continued big news that we've been going over week after week. The 
keeping it strong style, year-end awards is still live. Now, here's one thing I want to say. If you're listening, every year we've had a great turnout. We've had a lot of people participate, but I've seen the numbers for how many people listen to this show. And according to Spotify, 80% of you finish the show after you start it, which is like, you know, kind of mind-blowing because I've always wondered, like, you know, are people just got it set to auto-download or are they just, like, starting the show and then not finishing it? But according to the metrics, you know, 80% of the people listening listen the whole way through, which is pretty uh, pretty incredible. Yeah. But we've, we've never once had a year of voting where – the amount of voters even amounted to one episode of listenership, which is insane to me. It's I don't weird. understand how anybody, <laughs> it is so weird. So guys, if you're listening right now, the link to vote is in the description, no matter what different uh, kind of platform you're using to listen to this show, you have access to vote on the most important and prestigious you know, um, awards for New Japan, especially here in the Western side of fandom. And then once you've gone ahead and you've cast your vote, share this shit in your Facebook groups and in your group chats and on Reddit and on Twitter. Let people know because we want this to be the preeminent, you know, thing that people vote on. And we've got a really, really like we've got some really tight races going right now. Like probably the tightest we've ever had at any year, probably. Yeah, dude. Match of the year has been so fun to watch how that's been like the battle for first place for that. Uh, well, that's because there's, there's, there's one match in particular that I'm just like bamboozled by. Cause I cannot understand it, but day after day, it's like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Uh, faction of the year has, has been another fun one to watch. Um, yeah, you LIJ stands out there. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, Might y'all, not be your year. We'll see. Y'all better pull up that LIJ alert. Text all the LIJ fans out there. Yeah, this is where we in, we we like encourage voter tampering. You know, I know like uh, that's not something that was encouraged during like the president presidential election but like we want y'all to be out there be like no 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 come on let's let's get people together like you know let's get this vote going because uh it's tight and some of these aren't even just like tight like two ways some of these are like match of the year faction year those are both three ways yeah like really close so is young boy of the year yeah uh you know you you coglin fans you mora fans you you know you tight race you know those uh, Kevin Knight fans, y'all better, you know, step up if you, you want to see Kevin Knight win the Young Boy of the Year. Yeah, 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 yeah. DKC fans come out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, if you're listening to this show, you're probably more well-informed than 99% of the people watching New Japan out there. So, you know, we want your voice to be heard. Please do us a favor. Cast your votes. Spread the word. Let's get the shit popping because, I mean, we've only got, like, literally two weeks left for voting. Yeah, voting will end uh, December 19th, 11.59 p.m. So, yeah, yeah, you have time, but please, you know, get that, get it in sooner rather than later. Or, you know, we want to get that uh, that voting number up. We want to make sure we have the, the best results possible. And you guys are great listeners. I know we ask you to do a lot, but this is very important to us. And we, we ask them to do a lot, but they don't do that much. 
<laughs> like I, I can't remember the last time someone sent me a red circle and I'd be asking for money all the time. So that's, you know, <laughs> after you cast your vote, maybe throw us a shekel or something. I don't know. Donations. <laughs> Donations. Donations. Gifts. Gifts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But let's talk about the, uh, we want to keep a tight show cause it's late. Uh, there actually was massive monumental news. It had the entire, you know, Twitterverse talking, all the wrestling fandom, and uh, that was an announcement by Katsuyori Shibata. Yeah, so New Japan posted that Katsuyori Shibata will make a major announcement at the December 15th NJPW World Tag League Finals and Best of the Super Juniors 28 final show in Sumo Hall in Ryogoku. According to the post on NJPW website, Shibata has expressed he has a major announcement that he would like to deliver directly to the fans. So although Shibata faced Zack Sabre Jr. in that five-minute UWF Rules exhibition match at this year's G1 Climax Finals on October 21st, he has not had an official match since NJPW secured Genesis in April 2017, the infamous match against Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, so I mean, everybody's been wondering for a few years now, What's the deal with Shibata? You know, obviously he had a subdural hematoma that he suffered in that fateful Sakura Genesis match with uh, Shibata or with uh, Okada in 2017. Um, you know, we were getting news updates periodically month after month. That year's G1, he finally made his first public appearance. He took a bump, let everybody know he's alive. And then from there, like, uh, his interactions with the company were sporadic. He still was obviously involved making special appearances, uh, namely uh, the appearance with Tanahashi at the next year's G1 finals. That was a major one. And then his involvement with the LA dojo over the past few years, training up the next, you know, crop of U S young lions. But um, there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not he would return to the ring. We had the angle at the G1 finals, two years ago where him and Kenta got physically involved and, you know, and there people were talking about, was he going to work that year's wrestle kingdom? It didn't end up panning out. And then suddenly out of nowhere, he works this, uh, <laughs> you know, this, uh, five minute exhibition match at G one climax with, uh, Zack Sabre. And now everyone's kind of been buzzing, but we weren't really sure what that meant. And, now we have this uh this announcement on the horizon and it's kind of like what could it mean? Could it could it, I mean there's a lot of things it could be. I think the thing everyone's hoping it's going to be is a return to the ring for Katsuyori Shibata like he's been fully medically cleared, he's healthy, he's in good shape and he's going to be able to go. There is obviously the possibility it could be a retirement announcement or it could be something else that we don't even see coming. Right, maybe it's something to do with the LA Dojo. Uh, maybe it's something to do with Noah Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, there's, there's a lot of other possibilities that it, it can be just besides an uh, in-ring return. Yeah, but, um, you know, speculation is running wild. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, I think everyone is just kind of very, very excited at this point. And it's kind of nice because it's not just being sprung on us how some of these types of angles and announcements sometimes are sort of kept close to the chest. And then you know, made during the show and nobody kind of saw it coming, which is also good from time to time, but it seems like we've gotten a lot of that. Um, but, you know, New Japan hyping this up ahead of time, sending out the tweet from their NJPW global account 
and really making a big deal of it. Uh, obviously, it's going to boost uh, viewership for the finals of the Super Juniors and uh, World Tag League, which is a benefit. So they're smart in a certain sense by advertising this. Yeah. But I also think that they wouldn't be advertising something like this unless it was something that really was monumental on some uh, front and, you know, really was something that's going to be memorable. My thinking is it probably is some sort of return to the ring for Shibata, but in what capacity and, you know, what are the parameters? That's where I'm like, I don't really know, you know. Right, because I feel like if it was going to be any other random announcement, like, they could have just made it on Twitter. They could have done, like, a quick little video or press conference online. Like, I don't think they would have pulled the whole, you know, red carpet and do a whole dog and pony show and make this a big deal. Like, yeah, Shabbat is going to make this uh, you know, announcement directly to the fans. So, yeah, I mean, it could be a retirement, and maybe they would want to do something big for that. But I, I feel like they would kind of maybe just come out with that and just say, hey, Shibata's retiring, we're going to do the special retirement ceremony at the finals. But because it's kind of ambiguous of what it actually is, I feel like it's going to be, hey, I'm finally cleared to wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom uh, weekend, you know, I'll, I'll have a match in the Tokyo Dome, and then I'll be on the Noah show and be off uh, to the races from there. There's also the possibility that this could be the impetus for some sort of angle, you know? Mm, yeah. Um. Whether the announcement is legit or not, as far as, you know, because we don't know what the announcement is one way or the other. But, I mean, it could be a swoop, bro. You know? <laughs> there is the possibility that he comes out there. I know it's a little Western, but he could come out there, talk about retiring, and then, who knows, someone attacks him or something of that nature. And then, you know, then there's vengeance and, you know, we're doing the whole you know, blood angle type of feud. That is a possibility. Right. Um, they, they could pull the old uh, Shawn Michaels O2 angle, hit him Triple H, where, you know, Shawn's retired. And right. Then, and then Triple H turns on him and, you know, hurts him again. And Shawn comes back and has the unsanctioned street fight against him at SummerSlam. You could do one of those. Have him, you know, he come out, he's cutting his promo. Then Kenta comes out, bomb rushes him, hits him with a GTS, leaves him like bloody and laying. And then he comes back. He's like, nah, like, we're going to run it at the dome. I hope it. I hope his announcement is akin. Did you ever see Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, I've seen like parts of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. Okay, so like uh, towards the tail end of the movie, when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio—I forget the guy's name—Jordan Peterson, maybe that's what it was. But uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, you know, the the feds are coming in on him, and he needs to like leave his company, and he's sitting there, and like everyone's expecting him to resign from the company that he started, and then he's like, "I'm not doing it." I'm not leaving. And they're like, what? He's like, I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> yeah, I've seen and that clip. Like, <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> like, I hope that's what it's like. But, um, you know, you brought up uh, Kenta's name. We got some questions here, so I think we'll probably touch on that. But it is hard to deny the connection between Kenta and Shibata over the past, what, two, three years? You know, right. um their connection as a tag team in the past back in Noah after Shibata had left new Japan the first time and they teamed together as takeover. And, you know, they were supposed to be like best friends, twin flames, that sort of thing. And then he was the impetus for bringing Kenta into new Japan to compete in that year's G1. So it, there was uh, an alliance there. And then when Kenta left 
uh, Hontai unit to join the Bullet Club. He turned on Shibata. That's where Shibata and him got physical. And Shibata, that's when we were like, oh, Shibata can still like go and be yeah. Shibata. He can do all the shit he used to be able to do. And then um, since then, there's been a lot of, you know, periodically, there's still been uh, allusions to them having some sort of face-off or some sort of match. They did get physical in the build-up to Wrestle Kingdom two years ago. And then, uh, you know, it's kind of like a dream match. They've never had a one-on-one match. And so I think the speculation would be, you know, Kenta doesn't have anything on the docket for Wrestle Kingdom. I know we're going to talk about it, but he's got some uh, connections to Noah and the Noah involvement on day three of Wrestle Kingdom is still, you know, very much looming over all this. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would expect if he did wrestle, it would be against Kenta. And I think that that's kind of what the first question here is sort of asking. Yeah, from Hawaiian Punch BV. So Shibata said to make a major announcement on twelve fifteen. If he does return, who should he face for his first singles match back? So I mean, I kind of gave the uh, the backstory there, but I mean, that's at least in the immediate sense, that's the main person that makes the most sense to me for him to work with. Um, the other one would probably be Zack Saber Jr. Just because they did just work together and they did discuss, you know, kind of like dropping breadcrumbs that they might ultimately end up working together. I think those are probably to me, the two most likely scenarios right right out the gate. They had that five minute exhibition draw. So you can have them have a full on match and get a decisive winner. I think kind of a out of left field random one that could happen. Maybe you do him challenging Ishii for the never open weight title. We know Shibata is kind of uh, linked to that never title and that never style match, and he's had bangers of Ishii in the past, so that could be a great first thing for him. That is possible. Uh, it does wor- That would worry me in a certain sense, not because Ishii isn't safe, but just because of you know Shibata's history, how the how they uh, how those two roll together, <laughs> yeah, and how they wrestle against one another. But I mean, if if the stars were aligned and in a perfect world, would I want to see them wrestle again? Yes, but uh. You know, but honestly, in my opinion, it's probably most likely going to be Kenta if that is what's happening. Yeah, that that makes the most because sense. It's a major match. It's Wrestle Kingdom. Like that would be a huge, huge, huge deal. And who knows how that might even tie into whatever is going to happen with Noah. And obviously, Kenta is going to be making an appearance for Noah on January first as well. So the whole thing—it's—it's it's all very exciting. Yeah. Next question comes here from Viking Pain. Says, Even if Shibata is healthy and is announcing a possible comeback, should he come back? Shibata's injury was horrific, and even though he loves wrestling, I'm terrified of the thought of one wrong kick, slap, or forearm to the head, sending him down the same path again. Okay, um, I, I won't harp on this too much, and I know what both sides of this would say. You know, you've got those people who are like, you know, kind of like your safety police and, uh, and I don't want to discredit them, but you know, those who would say like, he absolutely shouldn't come back under any circumstances for fear of what might happen to him. And then, you know, there are those wrestling fans on the other side who are like, if, if a doctor clears him, he's a grown adult, let him do what he wants to do, blah, 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 you know? And I get both sides. I really do actually. I am a little more apprehensive about Katsuri Shibata returning to wrestling than I am with, say, like Daniel Bryan or some of these other guys who, like uh, Edge, you know, people like that. 
And the reason why is because the horrific nature of what he went through. I mean, it was an acute subdural hematoma, um, which is maybe not as bad as, say, like a chronic one. And there are some positives. They treated it fairly quickly. He's rehabbed. You know, he's not, from what we understand, suffering paralysis any longer. But make no mistake about it. To treat what he went through required serious brain surgery. Now, I don't know exactly which surgery they they did. There's two different types that are typically used. Um, One involves like drilling a hole in the skull and using tubes to clear the uh, hematoma. The other is a full cranial removal, which if you want my opinion, I think that might be what they did do Mm. because we've seen him train with that helmet and the headgear and everything like that. And I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you whether he should or shouldn't wrestle again, but I'm, I am scared. (laughs) I'm scared because of what happened. And, um, I don't know, I guess I don't understand the brain and a serious injury like that. The way, like, for instance, with, uh, you know, you tear a ligament or you tear a, uh, you break a bone or something, you know, we've taken health class. I think most of us have a basic understanding of health and the human anatomy and how those things heal themselves. But I don't really know enough about what the long-term effects could potentially be of um, wrestling again when it comes to what he went through and neurologically, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I think that that is a real valid concern. And maybe it's not, you know, maybe there are doctors who know what's best for him and like wouldn't clear him under, you know, unless it was the absolute best of circumstances, which I hope that is the case if that is what's happening. But, you know, I'm also scared of Shibata's a fucking psycho. Like, you know, you have to be crazy to be an MMA fighter and you have to be crazy to be a professional wrestler. And he did both. And beyond that, like to, to fight and wrestle the way he did, you have to be crazier than the majority of the crazy people. And so it, <laughs> it's, it scares me to think of how, what he may or may not be willing to do as far as laying his body on the line for this art and for his craft. Um, obviously what he's gone through over the past four years might have changed his perspective and, you know, brought some things into, you know, proper view for him and, and everything like that. But uh, I mean, I am scared. That's all I'll say is I'm scared. I don't know if he should or shouldn't come back. I I would love to see him come back and I'd love for him to be healthy, but I am worried about it. Yeah. And again, it's like, you obviously we're we're not a doctor. We don't have, not giving medical advice out here. We're not neurologists, uh, but you know, we have seen some similar situations with the brain with, you know, guys like Christian guys who have a history of concussions. Uh, You know, Christian had about three or four concussions on that last WWE run. Um, and taking extensive time off, allowing the the brain and the head to heal, and then being cleared and being able to come back. Obviously, Shibata's injury is way more serious than just a concussion, um, and so not sure how his brain healed from his surgery and kind of what he's been doing. Also, we know he's been training at the LA Dojo, but we don't know what kind of other you know rehabilitation stuff that he's been trying or doing. We know, like in the case of Daniel Bryan, he was doing a bunch of different rehab stuff and kind of working on himself and doing other things to get in a a position to where he can be cleared. So I would hope that 
whatever doctors that New Japan is using, especially I think it would be a very big black eye for the company if they do allow Shibata to be cleared and wrestle um, and then something more serious happens to him. So I would think that they would be doing everything they could to make sure and, you know, advising the best medical teams to be like, all right, is this like 100% safe for Shibata to be cleared to wrestle? And who knows? Maybe it ends up just being one match, uh, yeah, and, and not a full run, or maybe it's a quarterly or se- like, you know very seldom, a special occasion kind of deal. Yeah, and you know some of the some of it too is we don't, as a society and just generally like with science. I mean, you talked about like the brain healing, but you know there are different camps of thought uh, within science, like you know, the idea of neuroplasticity is very controversial and, um, you know, some even have labeled it as like a pseudoscience. I mean, there are those who think like once you've suffered certain types of brain damage, your brain doesn't recover or heal itself. Uh, and then there are those who now believe like some of those treatments you talked about with, uh, Brian Danielson and things he's done with, uh, what was he doing? Like the cryogenic chambers yeah, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, so that's all kind of like new science in a certain to a certain extent, and you know, that's the thing is like, I guess they could do brain scans and they can do run tests and everything like that. But at the end of the day, I don't even know if a doctor actually even knows. Even if even if everything looked the best, is it possible that things could still go awry? It is possible. Yeah. So I mean, and that's where some personal responsibility comes into play too. It's not all just on New Japan or all on the doctors. It's also that man deciding to get in the ring, you know, and, uh, you know, anytime you, you step in the ring, you're, you're putting your health and your life and your safety, you know, on the line. And maybe this could be much more so. So I hope whatever ends up happening that it all, I just hope it's all, it all works out well. Yeah. I, I will say if he does end up being cleared and starts wrestling again, it, it will add some drama to his matches. You know, I still watch, as I watch Brian Danielson right now, and I see yeah. him take, take head bumps or something crazy. I'm like, it's like, ooh, uh, I'm kind of, I kind of cringe a little bit, and it makes me get that that simpy and that and that and I feel that drama for him. And so I feel like if Shibata's good to go and his matches are going to have that little extra kind of factor to it, like when he does land on his head or somebody's slapping him, you're like, oh man, like should he be taking that? Yeah. Um. Next question. <laughs> so thoughts. Uh, so Dom Homie 101, thoughts on what will be the major announcement that Shibata will announce on the 15th, which is maybe we feel we kind of. Yeah, I feel like we kind of discussed that. It looks like Rambone Slam Pig also has some uh, questions here. Yep. So he says, if Shibata is announcing his return to entering action, who would you like to see him work first? I think we kind of covered that Kenta would be. <laughs> For me, it's Kenta. I don't know about you. Yeah, Kenta would be the guy also. Uh, then, okay. he, then he says, if Shibata returns to in-ring performance, do you believe there will be a negative impact to the output of the LA Dojo? His work there has been stellar. I mean, possibly, but that would be assuming he spent, you know, spending a lot of time in Japan and, you know, not able to give all the same type of attention to the LA Dojo outfit. But, I mean, like you said, Jeremy, it could be one match. He, he could work a... Let's say he's 100% cleared. That doesn't mean he's going to be like doing Kazuna Rhodes and G1 stuff like that. He could just be showing up two or three times a year, working big matches, big programs. Um, so it's kind of until we know what the announcement is, it's hard to kind of 
speculate how it's going to affect his other like dojo, you know, duties. Right, and they could use him as a featured guy on uh, New Japan Strong, and maybe he he wrestles on Strong more than he does in Japan. That was another thing too. Yeah, I thought about that. Like, what if he did wrestle someone like Filthy, or what if he did some sort of uh, showcase with like his students? Yeah, you know, and maybe that's not quite what people are hoping this ends up being. But like, what if I don't know? What if like he ended up doing some sort of like a uh, uh, gauntlet with? Uh, you know, all the L.A. Dojo boys. Yeah, and also, you know, there is the United Empire L.A. Dojo feud that's going on right now that maybe that... Oh, my God. What if it's him and fucking... <laughs> Osprey. Him and, him and Will? Oh, my God, bro. <laughs> yeah, I would freak out if that was it. <laughs> yeah, so if you build that, I mean, who knows? Maybe he does a series of... He wrestles TJP or he wrestles Cobb. Um, nah, I don't need all that. Just give me, <laughs> give me him and Will. Let's not chance it. <laughs> Let's get that one big one out. Uh, let's see. Rambo's last question here. He says, if Shibata announces his official retirement, where do you think his career ranks amongst the pantheon of Puro greats? What was his peak as an in-ring performer? What will be? What will he be most remembered for? Um, to give you a short, simple answer, I think he would rank as like a a top talent in new Japan during, you know, the dark days. And then during the, uh, kind of resurgence, uh, in terms of business. Um, but as far as like, would he be like a hall of fame type of guys? Would he be mentioned in the same kind of bated breath as, you know, Kenta Kobashi or Inoki or Hashimoto or, you know, Muto guys like that? No, honestly, he wouldn't because, you know, the amount of time he spent actually wrestling was a lot less than most of those guys. His accomplishments was a lot less than them. He did have a lot of fantastic matches and moments, but uh, at this point, it's not like Shibata would be remembered as one of the all-time greats. And if he was, uh, some of that is, you know, nostalgia. I don't know. Kind of like, it, it, it sort of be like that, uh, that tragic um, element to it. Um, as far as like his peak, honestly, in my opinion, his peak was the very, very tail end of his career. Like the last two years he was working, he was putting out better. He, he, he had better output during the final couple years of his run than he did when he was young before he, you know, went to big mouth loud and, uh, you know, did MMA and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like um, he, he kind of found himself, put everything together, and it was just on this momentous run. You look at like the Never matches with, like, um, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, all that Never stuff he was doing, and then uh, the New Japan Dad feud, and then also leading up to the New Japan Cup and the, the match with Okada as a career genesis. That's probably, you know, the highest peak that he was, he was hitting his peak right there. Yeah, I mean, that's the only time he ever challenged for that title. Or maybe I could be wrong. Uh, uh, he might have challenged for it during his first run with the company, but I don't. I, I, that's weird. I have a weird memory of him challenging against Fujita, but maybe maybe I'm making that up in my mind. But either way, him wrestling Okada was the peak. Of I mean, and also I mean that's to many people the greatest match in the history of New Japan. Many people call it the greatest match in wrestling history. So. 
considering all the elements and the background and the story and everything crescendoed for him and then came crashing down and in a very poetic and uh, tragic way. So that was his peak. (laughs) And um, I also think that's what he would be most remembered for to a certain extent. Um, Beyond that though, his intensity and his uh, physicality as a performer. I mean, he's one of the most visceral and believable guys that there's ever been in the history of professional wrestling period. Like he's just, he's magic. (laughs) Yeah. He's awesome. He was definitely, he's definitely a special talent. And yeah, I mean that, that headbutt and that, that's that whole Okada match will probably be the thing that people remember him for more the most and just the kind of fallout from that. Um, But yeah, if he can end up coming back, it'd, it'd be pretty cool. So We'll see what happens with all that. Nice. So let's move on. Um, Before we get to the uh, World Tag League and Super Juniors talk, let's talk about New Japan Strong Detonation. Night one was this past Saturday, December the 4th. And it seems like you really love this episode of Strong. Oh, yeah. I thought this show was awesome. There was like – I mean, there's just a lot to really dig about the show. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, did I think this was a show that you're – contender or anything like that no uh do i think there's ever been better episodes of new japan strong Eh, possibly but i think it's up there and um i mean we could talk about all these matches briefly but you know the first match a lot of high flying there's the background of the story element with straight out army and adrian quest plus leo rush they're doing their thing you got the high flying blah 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 you know it's almost like a junior style match and then from there you go into the alex coglin challenge series and i mean gritty hard-nosed blood sport style like real you know fucking wrestling and that was cool plus the emotional aspects of what happened post-match and then jonah comes in for this squash and i mean it wasn't just that he was a monster but they gave lucas riley a lot in this underdog It, it it just felt like a one two three kid wrestling you know i don't know yokozuna or something like that yeah. on like a 94 episode of raw it was just it was awesome and they did more for Jonah in this one match than I ever remember them ever really doing for him in his entire NXT run. Like I was like, holy fuck, Jonah, <laughs> Jonah Rock is awesome. And then, you know, the main event wasn't blow away, but I mean, you got Yumora, you got Alex Zane doing crazy shit. You got Hikaleo, who's like, you know, the future and then Jay White. I mean, there's just, it's just a really well-rounded great episode of strong and yeah. in many ways it was a welcome uh diversion from tag league and super juniors yeah i was able to see strong yeah this was a, a solid you know our pro wrestling your traditional kind of weekly pro wrestling tv show the race set after you know big pay-per-view and last set of tapings and you kind of see different directions where they're going and like you mentioned yeah it's just kind of laid out very well you had the high flyer opener you have the the ongoing challenge series that was very emotional you have the debut of jonah and his beginning of his push you have uh you know bullet club showing their dominance and kind of uh throwing out you know jay kind of throwing out what's next for him so overall it's a really fun show we can talk about the the matches and the results here so the show opened up with uh adrian quest and leo rush defeating the stray dog army of bateman and mysterio so 10 minutes 57 seconds Two things, uh, both negative remarks. Adrian Quest looked good in this match, but his uh, actual physical appearance was uh, a lot. He's kind of out of shape compared to what we're used to seeing from him, um, 
which was a little surprising, but as far as performance in the ring, he still was able to do everything he's always been able to do. So hopefully, you know, obviously it's a cosmetic business. So, you know, no body shaming, but it, I just wasn't expecting to kind of see him looking, you know, a little more rotund than uh, <laughs> than he has in the past. But him and Leo Rush, both really impressive here. Uh, the other negative was in the early part, the camera work and the lighting of the show. Um, I do think that they, they're they using different, at least for this series of tapings, they had a totally different quality camera for the hard cam that was uh, you know, suspended above the ring versus the ones um, at ringside. The ones at ringside were much better. And I noticed at a certain point, they just kind of almost entirely stopped using the lower quality camera. Yeah, no, which was a also, good call. Yeah. Which they didn't need it. Uh, they don't need that, that you know, uh, elevated hard cam. But if you are going to have it, it needs to be of the same quality and caliber as the ones that you're using at ringside but the the lighting of the event again wasn't the best and i don't know if it's because of attendance or uh you know technical issues but they i don't know man like it needs if if you're running new japan shows they need to look like new japan shows yeah i will say i even though it wasn't the greatest it was probably one of the best strong looking strongs they've been traveling um, yes, uh, not it wasn't as good as the first couple ones, the one right after Resurgence. Yeah, those were probably the best, and then Philly was all right, but this is this would be Philly right. and Texas were rough, and this was better than both of those. Yeah, Texas was horrible. Yeah, Texas was really bad, but um, fun match. Adrian Quest, Leo Rush, they did their thing. Bateman and Mysterioso, you know, I like them. I like Mysterioso because you know, big poppy pump, you know. <laughs> He reminds me of like Scott Steiner mixed with like Rey Mysterio, so it's dope. Yeah, it's like total like you know, call, you know create a wrestler. Like, yeah, I want I want to mix two of my favorites together and <laughs> and make a wrestler. Uh, uh, so that was cool. the The next match, Coglin and Josh Barnett was totally in my wheelhouse. Eleven minutes forty seven seconds. I liked this is my favorite of Alex Coglin's Challenge Series matches, and um. Josh Barnett, first time back in a New Japan ring in 17 years. It's a guy who headlined the Tokyo Dome in his first professional match <laughs> ever. And uh, it just was awesome. It, it really, really was awesome. And uh, I'm like, bro, I know I've been kind of coming around on Coglin lately, but like at, at this point, I got him higher than Fredericks and uh, Clark Connors. Like Alex Coglin's my guy. And like I didn't feel that way when they first – you know, showed up in Japan a couple years ago. Yeah, and I would say with his challenge series, unlike Connors and Fredericks, I feel like we're seeing just how well-rounded Alex Collins mm-hmm. and we, he's wrestled different types of opponents, and we've seen him kind of acclimate and wrestle different styles. And here, this was kind of almost the culmination to this series here, facing off against Josh Barnett, who Collins also been training with, along with his training in the L.A. Dojo. He's done a lot of training with Josh Barnett, and we've seen Collins on the Blood Sports shows. And so wrestling another one of his teachers here, and also you mentioned this was more of the Blood Sport type of matchup, a lot of kind of catches catch can a lot of grappling, a lot of fighting for submissions, a lot of uh, intense uh, striking and grappling. Like this was a solid, you know, really great like a work kind of work shoot pro wrestling match here. Yeah, I like this better, in my opinion, than, for instance, um, give me this type of 
a technical style wrestling that's a little bit grittier, a little bit more hard nosed and a little bit more realistic than say, and while I love these guys, I like this better than the the type of wrestling that like Zack Sabre Jr. Or Jonathan Gresham does that like that stuff's a little more flashy and you know, some people probably find it a little more entertaining, but I like this stuff, like where it's like they're doing little things and you're like, Oh my God, these guys are incredible. And, um, you know, we, we, we make jokes. Uh, we got our friends here, uh, locally, we go to shows, we talk about guys working rest holds and, you know, we don't want them working wrestles. These guys weren't, we're not resting in these holds. They were working every minute of the match and the crowd really appreciated it. And it was, uh, the furthest thing from boring, even though, you know, a lot of people don't like the grapple fuck style of match. Like this wasn't, you know, you're, uh, Oh man, what's who's the guy um, from Two Hundred Five Live that it, it, this wasn't uh, like a Drew, Drew Gulak. Gulak? Yeah, it wasn't like a Drew Gulak, like uh, you know Johnny Gargano epic. You know, this was like holy fuck, this looks pretty real. These guys are really getting it, and uh, yeah. I liked that a lot. In the crowd, I would I would say that they were quiet, but I feel like they were intently watching what was happening. And then when it, they built to like the crescendo of the match, where they started doing more striking, the crowd was so into it, had the crowd in the palm of their hands. And they were really excited for the finish. There was a uh, a lariat that Alex Coughlin hit um, Josh Barnett with, where I was like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> like he hit him so hard. But yeah, at the end of the match, Barnett hit him with a you know a gigantic high angle German, and then he caught him in the beautiful uh, cradle suplex. I, cradle suplex, and then you know tapped him out, and it was, and then they honored each other, and then. Barnett talked about, uh, you know, how far he's come and great job that Shibata's done with him and everything that he's gonna done for him and that he's kind of passed the test and they're gonna turn him into a, a real killer. I don't know if you got to see this, but post match during the uh, interview segment, Coughlin said that this was supposed to be his final match as a young lion, but he has one more match. Someone who's been a thorn in his side the entire time he's been in New Japan Strong. And his final series match is going to be against Jared Kratos. Mm, yes, we, we've seen the, the rivalry play out between Kratos and Coughlin, especially when uh, Coughlin was kind of teaming up with um, Fred Rosser as they were battling Team Filthy. And we've seen cause kind of like the power struggle between Kratos and, and Coughlin. So that should be a great, you know, final, you know, challenge series and a, a blow off to that rivalry that's been going on. Yeah, great opportunity for both guys. So, um, then, you know, the Jonah match, we talked about that. Uh, the the main thing was Jonah just came off looking like a scary fucking monster. I, you know, I made a comment a few weeks ago uh, when he made his uh, surprise appearance uh, in San Jose where I was like, I think he looks bigger than he did in WWE, but maybe it was just street clothes. But now after seeing him in gear, I'm like, oh, he's way bigger, like way bigger than he was. But it didn't affect his work in any way. In fact, it might have even enhanced it because there are big guys in New Japan, but there's nobody like Jonah in New <laughs> Japan. I mean, like, you know, we're talking super heavyweights that can fly. Like, he's scary, bro. And uh, as much um, – this kid uh, – what was what's his name here? Lucas Riley. Lucas Riley, very, you know – impressive he comes out of santino brothers school they have great content online if you're training for wrestling i highly recommend it they've trained a lot of really good wrestlers but um you know he never stood a chance obviously but it was great for him to kind of get this exposure 
but towards the tail end, Jonah was just brutalizing him, and Jonah kept going for the pin and then pulling the kid's head up and started getting massive heat from the crowd, which I was like, oh, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he did the giant splash off the top, and I mean, the kid's definitely under – he's probably like 180, maybe less. Yeah, and, you know, somewhere Jonah, in that range. Jonah, Jonah rocks easy, easily over 300 pounds. Yeah, I just thought they did so well. You know, you see a lot of guys – Talking about, you know, how you, how do you push a big guy? How do you push a monster? Like, this was, like, how you push a monster 101. Like, big guy comes up there against, like, you know, the plucky, you know, underdog Bayface. The Bayface kind of gets some shine a little bit, try to do some moves. But anytime he got any kind of momentum, Jonah would cut him off and just showed his power and his strength and didn't let Lucas get too much on him. It was just great. And he's just, like, this how he just manhandled and tossed him around. He just used his power to cut him off at every turn. But one thing I liked about it was, like, we've seen throughout the years in wrestling, we've seen lots of monster runs like this, but where I think it deferred from, say, like, your Brodus Clays or your Rybacks or Goldbergs, those guys typically would eat the guys up for the most part. And then when when it came time for the person to get their little bit of shine, they pretty much shrugged it off. Jonah Rock was showing here. I I should stop calling that. Jonah was showing in those moments that he kind of got you to believe a little bit in this kid. Like mm-hmm. he's not going to do it, but you know, Jonah's like pretty good seller. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, and now that you, you kind of wanted hit Lucas to kind of get the ups, just the way that Jonah was bullying right. him. Right. And so that like, the thing is like, he might not be selling now, like full blown, but like when the time comes, this guy's going to be able to have incredible matches. And I mean, we already knew he was a great worker anyway. So it's not like it's some big surprise. We've seen him, in Noah, we've seen him on, you know, in Australia and NXT, PWG, all that stuff. So uh, it's no surprise, but I was just so impressed the way he worked the crowd, though, mm-hmm. and how they just kept getting more and more invested. I mean, Jonas, maybe not like an indie darling, but he's not an unknown commodity. And you would expect the crowd to really get behind him because it's like, oh, you know, that whole buzzing for like a, you know, a big star showing up on New Japan sort of thing. That didn't happen here. Jonah kept it so grimy that the crowd, like, really was feeding into, like, holy shit, he's beating the fuck out of this Lucas Riley kid. <laughs> and then when he, when he like, did the big splash, I've seen him do that splash plenty of times, but this time I was, I don't know, it was just different. I was like, holy fuck. I know, like, Kevin Kelly was like, god damn! <laughs> yeah, and then he picked up the win. And then uh, at the end of the match, another thing that I liked about the show, you know, we had the big run-in from um, Finley. Uh, F- F- Finley's son. And, uh, Oh, uh, you know, sold my joke. <laughs> Disrespected that man. <laughs> yeah. No, but for real, Dave Finley came in, made, you know, made the kind of jump zoned Jonah Rock post-match a little bit. Now, I did notice this, though. Even though the crowd was getting heat on Jonah and booing him, as soon as Dave Finley came out, I started kind of, like, cheering for Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I feel like I've seen, you know, the recommended match of the week uh, earlier this year was that, uh, match between Hangman and uh, Jay, Jay White, White in California, and there was a run-in at the time from uh, Dave Finley, and the crowd did the same thing. I'm like, dude, it's been like a lot of years, and this shit's still happening. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like that, that man's not over in the West. He's not over in the West at all. <laughs> but uh, it is, you know, continuing the feud between Finn Juice and Jonas. So we'll see where that leads, and then you know, the main event, Hickley and Jay White. Uh, against Alexander and Yuyamura. Nothing really crazy, nothing to write home about, but it was a solid outing. 
by four unique individuals. Good match, solid, fitting main event for this show. And then um, at the end, we kind of got I, – I was kind of popping for Jay White talking about all the young upstart talent <laughs> that's out there that, you know, he's – trying to open the door, open challenge. And he's like, you know, young talent, like Chris Saban and Chris Jericho. And like, he has all Chris's. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, but, uh, you know, he, he laid the challenge out for Christopher Daniels. So, you know, one of the, I think he's got the three Chris's and once he slays the three Chris's, something's going to happen. I don't know, but you know, young upstart talent, local hometown kid, Christopher Daniels, you know, taking on the switchblade. So, yeah, but now be for the uh, Nemesis tapings that are coming up uh, this week. Thursday, December 7th will be the next set of tapings, and that will air in the future on New Japan Strong on NJPW World. So it should be interesting to see the, the Fallen Angel um, in the New Japan ring again. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's the reason I like this show. Just a very a varied variety of matches, all very good Maybe it wasn't like, you know, was there any classic necessarily the way that you see on like, say, AEW? No, but it's not a two-hour show either. You know, this was a tight, concise one-hour presentation. I thought this show was awesome. Plus, just such a breath of fresh air from what we've been getting from Tag League and Super Super Juniors, you know, with the yeah. angles and different styles yeah, and everything. And crowds that can cheer and just, yeah, this is a totally, it's just a totally refreshing product to watch in the middle of, uh, kind of the dog days of the Super Juniors and World Tag League tours. Yep. But uh, this coming Saturday, Detonation Night 2, NJPW Strong, 8 p.m. Eastern, December 11th. We've got three big matches coming. So uh, Tomohiro Ishii will be going one-on-one with Brody King. And that is a uh, yeah. non-title match. You got to figure with everything going on with ROH, maybe this is a, uh, you know, let's see what the kid has type of match, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, we also have Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, and TJP, members of the United Empire, teaming up to take on the LA Dojo, Carl Fredericks, Clark Connors, and Ren Narita. And then in the main event, Jonathan Gresham will be taking on Gabriel Kidd, which you know probably will be an outstanding match. Yeah, it should be a real, really good technical matchup. And yeah, it should be a fun match. And we saw that build from the, the Philly tapings with Gabriel Kidd making his comeback. I think Saturday Night's final battle, too. Uh, yeah, last ROH pay per view, and probably ever. Who knows what? what the Who future. knows? <laughs> um, but yeah. we've got World Tag League and Super Juniors discussion. Um, we can go ahead and start with World Tag League. And to be honest, guys, we're gonna breeze through a lot of this. Jeremy didn't watch it all. I watched it, but you know, I don't feel like I have a lot of things to say that I didn't say the week before. It's at this point kind of a wash, rinse and repeat. I would say that. Um, Tag League is very much by the numbers, whereas Super Juniors kind of has kept you on your toes. You know, exciting upsets, you know, major storylines kind of being interwoven through all that. But like Tag League is just a, it's just a house shoot, house show loop tour. You know, it's exactly what you would expect, essentially. Yeah, and so I have all the results up here from the past week from uh, both shows. So I'll, I'll read through these quickly, and then we can look start looking at the standings of. World and I'll, and I'll give you guys, I'll give you a couple quick, you know, thoughts just on a few things I noticed. Uh, so starting with uh, Thursday, December second, we had an opener of Nakashima versus Fujita, which ended in a ten minute draw. 
Then the first tag league match, we had Hanma and Makabe defeating Takamichi Noku and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, 10 minutes, 11 seconds with the Kokeshi. Then we had Tenkoji. They lost to Fale and Owens via the grenade. 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Then we had Tiger Mask and Nagata. They lost to Aaron Hanare and Great O'Connell with the Imperial Drop. Then we had uh, G.O.D. losing to Evil and Yujiro with Via the Evil. Then Yano and Tanahashi, they were defeated by Yoshihashi and Goto via the Shoto. And then the main event of this show was Sonata and Tetsuya Naito losing to the Dangerous Techers via the Tensho Zack Driver. And this was the show that I saw. So two things I just wanted to point out here. Um, you know, we kind of wondered about Takamichinoku and his standing in the company, but like he lost here to Hanma and that really tells you a lot. Cause at this point, like you can't go any lower in this tournament. Ain't, than losing ain't to many people losing to Hanma. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that, but the one thing I was surprised, this was a VOD show, uh, fine show. I mean, it was whatever, but the one thing that really surprised me was um, this main event, dangerous techers against LIJ, you know, the two times that these teams have faced off, you know, in uh head to head action this past year were two of the biggest and best tag team matches of the year. And I, I thought this one was a fitting um, addition to the series of matches they've had, but it just felt weird to do it in this venue on this night on a VOD show with no commentary. And, right. you know, it was weird. Right. Like, you, you Naito think... even. What were you going to say? I was gonna say Naito even brought out like the big match gear. Well, yeah, Naito he's been he's been wearing a suit this whole tour, which I, I found interesting. I guess I haven't I didn't notice that. I just thought it was for this. Match. <laughs> yeah, he's been wearing the whole tour, which I'm expecting. You know, normally we would, we would get T-shirt Naito in December, uh, but he, he's he's rocking the suit for the whole tour, and yeah, it, it's very interesting. You you would think looking at the schedule, like all right, these are the tag champs. This is probably the biggest non-champion team Lij in this tournament. Like, let's save this for one of the last nights or do it earlier on when you're going to have commentary. You can make a bigger deal of it. But, yeah, throwing it on this VOD show, no commentary, was definitely kind of a, a weird kind of placement here. Hey, I mean, for the fans that were in attendance, you know, that's, you know, a pretty awesome treat for them. Um, but I just – I was a little surprised by that. But this match, big recommendation, 29 minutes, 49 seconds, they went – Literally down to the wire. Yeah, that was I, that was never. I thought they were going for the draw, and then yeah, they busted out that um that combination Zach driver at the very you know very end there. Yeah, and I thought that this could uh, this might be my uh, match of the tournament so far. Maybe not, but it's it's a big recommendation. I'd probably go like three and three quarters on it. That's how good I thought it was. Yeah, I'll like three and three quarters. Maybe, maybe four. It might it might hit the notebook, but probably could, could give uh, four stars to it. Um, then on December the 4th, so interesting thing here, this show opened up with Shingo Takagi against, uh, Ryohei Oiwa, 10 minutes and 18 seconds, really fun kind of exhibition kind of broke us out of the whole, you know, young lions, uh, cub cup. I saw someone, uh, refer to it as, so, you know, Oiwa sort of getting some ring work in with the number one <laughs> wrestler in the world, Shingo Takagi and, you know, it was pretty good, and Takagi killed this man with the pumping bomber. If you didn't see it, I'd recommend it. And uh, you know, looks I don't know if that like he, uh, I don't know beat oil for Boston crab. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it was a single leg crab, but mm. uh, I for some reason I thought he 
he did he killed him with a pumping bomber and then yeah he got in the crab but a uh, good match there um the rest of the card bullet club team beat uh blue tiger chaos team beat suzuki goon united empire beat great bash heel lij beat tenkoji house of torture beat the dangerous techers and god defeated tanahashi and yano and then earlier today we had another world tag league show Fujita and Nakashima wrestled to a draw. Dangerous Techers beat uh, Blue Tiger. Tanahashi Yano beat Suzuki Goon. Um, House of Torture defeated Great Bash Heel. United Empire defeated Tenkoji. Chaos defeated the Bull Club team. And LIJ defeated G.O.D. So not a lot of upsets or great matches or major storylines. It's kind of all by the numbers, but this is right at the tail end of the tour and based on how everything shook out at the beginning of the tag league, this is not to be unexpected, you know? Um, but where are we with the standings on the tag league portion here, Jeremy? Yeah. So starting at the top of the block, we have four teams that are tied in first place, seven and two. So we have the IWGP tag team champions, dangerous techers, Tetsuya Naito and Sonata. Roki Goto and Yoshihashi, and then the United Empire team of Great Okan and Aaron Hanare. All those teams have 14 points. Then moving on down, we have Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens, Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. Both of those teams are at 12 points. They are 6-3. and three. Then we have two teams who have 10 points and 5-4, and four, Gorillas of Destiny, and then the team of Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toriyano. Then Tenkoji, they have four points. They're 2-7. and seven. Blue Tiger, the team of Yuji Nagata and Tiger Mask, they're two points, one and eight. Then Great Bash Heel, Tomioka Hanuma and Togumakabe, they have two points, they are one and eight. And then the Suzuki Goon team of Minoru Suzuki and Taka Michinoku, they have zero points, Big Goose Egg, O oh and nine. Okay. And you said um, Gorillas of Destiny have 10 points? Okay, yeah. I'm thinking at this point, and I could be wrong here, but I think. All the teams, because we only have two more tag league shows, right? Yep, the ninth and the twelfth. So this, uh, this loss that God had here today, that was probably the most surprising thing. Losing to Lij, that really bolsters Lij's claim to being one of the top teams in the division going into the last few nights, and I think that effectively, I mean. Of course, I think there could be maybe some wacky way where it could work out to where G.O.D. could potentially win. But um, I'm thinking that the teams with 10 points, G.O.D. and Tanahashi and Yano, they're effectively eliminated because, you know, even if they won the next two matches, they're going to end up with 14 points. It's highly unlikely, barring that there's some sort of weird, uh, you know, through a tie that they're going to get through because there's already – five teams ahead or six teams ahead of them. And it's highly likely that two of those teams are going to pick up wins between now and then. Yeah. So for God on this Thursday, December 9th, they're facing off against Fale and Owens. So they could get a win there, get 12 points and tie with that team. And then on night 11, let's see who God is up against. They are facing uh, United empire. So they could beat them and get 14 and get a tiebreaker over Okan and Hanare. It's possible, but then you still got – I mean, they're not effectively eliminated 100%, but I think 
knowing the way this company books, I think it's just highly unlikely G.O.D. or Tanahashi Yano stand a chance to continue on because, you know, following Owens got 12 points, House of Torture has 12 points, United Empire has 14, Chaos has 14, L.I.J. Yeah. has 14, Dangerous Techers have 14. It's just, to me, that it's I, I haven't done all the fine math, but it's like... They'd have to win both of their next matches to um, even be viable. And it's highly, I think, just given the mathematics of the other teams that are still remaining, it's highly unlikely that 14 points could be enough to get it done, in my opinion. Yeah, now I'm looking at some of the other top teams. So, yeah, Dangerous Techers uh, on Thursday, they're facing off against Hanuma and Makabe. So, that's, uh, they're probably winning that match. And then on the. Although. You think it's an upset? At the. The last two nights are prime candidates for potential upsets. I'm not calling it. I don't think uh, Great Bash Heel is going to beat Dangerous Techers, but, you know, who knows? A DQ, uh, a count out. Quick roll up. Quick roll up. You just never know at that point, especially with, with uh, depending on how you're booking out the, uh, the tournament. So is it a possibility? Do I think it's a foregone conclusion? Dangerous Techers are 100% beating Great Bash Shield. I'd call it 90% positive they'll beat them, but I'll leave some wriggle room just in wriggle some wiggle room just in case. Yeah. Then also on that night uh, ten show on Thursday, you have House of Torture. They're taking on Suzuki and Taka. Mm, yeah, and so yeah, and House of Torture, man, they've. Uh, really stunk up this tournament. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess we could look at the the last night. I mean, the big matches, we got Naito and Sonata taking on the House of Torture. So that, you know, is definitely a match to keep your eyes on, just considering the history between all of them, and plus the point totals that they have. That could be a, a definitely a spoiler for sure if Evil Nujiro beat them. But also, you know, um, maybe that could be enough to get Evil Nijiro into the finals if they did win that match, if they win their next couple. Uh, I don't know. The other ones to look at, um, Dangerous Techers against Goto and Yoshihashi on the final night, that's a big match as well. So, I mean, yeah. there's some – yeah, there's some uh, some pretty big matches here on that night. Yeah, for, for that, I think that – on Thursday, I could see Goto and Yoshihashi beating United Empire, which would bring them to 16. Then Tekker's also winning that night and being 16. Then you have both of those teams facing off with 16 points in that last night. Yeah, and United Empire, like you mentioned earlier, they're facing off with G.O.D. on the 12th. And again, is it possible that G.O.D. makes it to the finals if they pick up their last two? But that's a big ask with how uh, well... Uh, United Empire have done throughout this tournament. They're sitting at 14. Uh, I think the night before, who do they have? You just mentioned it. Who does uh, G.O.D. have? No, no, no. United Empire. They're facing uh, uh, the Kalsi. Yeah. So they got two of the tougher, more established teams in this tournament um, on the tail end in Chaos and G.O.D. So that's a big ask for them. If they win both of those matches, I think that they are a lock to go to the finals. You know, and maybe that's what we end up with. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being like a uh, an Lij versus United Empire final. And I think that might have been what you called. Is that correct? 
Uh, I think yeah, I think I did call that. Yeah, I don't know. That to me sounds like maybe what you should do. Right, because United Empire did beat Lij earlier in the tournament. There's also this ongoing rivalry with Naito and Great Okan that's been going on this whole year. Uh, that that could be a big kind of final setup there. And let me just take a look here. So the current reigning champions are the Dangerous Techers. So far in this tournament, they've lost to House of Torture and United Empire. Those are the only two teams that they've taken losses to. And one's got to assume, unless they're going to be in play in the finals, which is always a possibility, they're probably going to take another loss between now and then. Um, so it looks like Dangerous Techers, they're ta- like you mentioned, they got Great Bash Heel on the 9th, and then on the 12th, final night, they're facing off against Chaos. So those are both winnable matches for them, um, but the Chaos team has a better track record of playing spoiler on final nights like that, and uh, I think that they could definitely pick up that win on that evening. Yeah, I think the Chaos team is definitely another favorite that could easily go into a final, especially if they beat uh, Dangerous Techers on the last night. And then the previous night, they have the United Empire, which is another top team. So again, I feel like United Empire and Chaos are kind of the same situation where if one of those two teams win both of their matches, like they're favorites to go into the finals. Well, you know, um, you've got two teams here in... Okan and Hanare and Goto and Yoshihashi that you're kind of got to, you have to wonder yourself, what are they going to be doing come Wrestle Kingdom time? And both of them have had pretty fantastic years in certain respects and pretty respectable tournaments as well. So I think either one of those two teams going into the finals against LIJ or maybe even some sort of, I don't know, three-way, you know, dance sort of scenario could even be a possibility. Um, I wouldn't put that past them. What are you thinking? Because I think the most likely scenario is LIJ. And I know I, I could be working myself into a shoot by saying LIJ is going to go to the finals, but it just it just seems like they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like also we know that last night, I think the, the order will be determined by points. I, I think that Naito and Sonata against Evil and Yujiro will probably end up being the main event for that show. And then the winner, it's going to be kind of the winner of that We'll go to the finals. And maybe you, I think it'll be, it's either going to be Sonata and Naito against United Empire, or it's going to be Sonata and Naito versus Goto and Yoshihashi. And my, my prediction is this um, we'll know going into that final night which of these two teams it's going to be because Chaos and United Empire are facing off on the ninth. So that's pretty much, that's the big, big match of the night in a certain respect on December 9th. So at that point, I think whichever team wins, they're going to end up facing LIJ in the finals on the 15th. So, um, and I'm going to say it's going to be United Empire. I think it needs to be like another heel team against the baby faces and LIJ. Um, So that's just what my guts tell me. I think that's the most likely scenario here. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being Goto and Yoshihashi just because of the the three-way that happened in Wrestle Grand Slam, and they, those teams have all kind of been feuding with Techers as well. So I, I could see an all-baby face final, but I, I, I do, I'm predicting United Empire here. 
Less Commission 7252 said, do you guys see the possibility of a three-way dance for the IWGP Tag Team Championship with the Techers against United Empire and the original winners of World Tag League, which may possibly be Naito and Sonata? Well, I mean, we, we have two nights of Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome, so you, you need matches for that. I mean, we, I think we in the previous couple of double domes, they haven't done two tag title matches. But again, with restrictions and maybe not getting in as much people as they want, maybe you're going to need two tag title matches. So maybe on one night, you do the World Tag League winner, and then the other night, you do some a team that has beaten them in the Tag League. Yeah, I guess it really depends on how World Tag League shakes out. I wouldn't be surprised if on the 15th, it's a three-way tie and they need to do some sort of a three-way match to determine the winner. That is a possibility. I know it, it breaks with tradition, but... Well, we, haven't we uh, seen that recently in a single block? Was it... Uh, we saw it, I believe, in the uh, Junior Tag League one year. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of where, why I'm thinking that's still, you know, that that's on the table. The other thing, too, is like, you know, I'm not saying they should do this, but they could do a gauntlet at Wrestle Kingdom, and some of these teams might all be in play for that, which isn't necessarily something I'd advocate for, but it's possible that that's what ends up happening on either the fourth or the fifth. Right. You want to get everybody on the card. You need to fill out the card. You could, yeah, do a gauntlet. You know, normally they would do that. Never six man gauntlet. Yeah, they might do the tag team gauntlet, have all the teams that didn't. Win, get kind of a second chance kind of thing, and then the win. Like you can do the gauntlet on night one, and the winner of that gauntlet will face the winner of the tag title match winner on night two. Nice, but that uh, is gonna do it for tag league. Let's move on to super juniors. Um, Jeremy, you got the results of uh, the last couple nights. Yeah, so on Friday, December third, uh, show opened up with Oiwa and Vegeta having a draw. Then we had Master Wato defeating Yoshinobu Kanemaru with the RPP. Robbie Eagles defeating Doki with the Ron Miller Special. Bushi defeating uh, Taiji Ishimori with the MX. Um, El Phantasmo getting the win over Sho via tap out. Then we had uh, Hiromu Takahashi defeating uh, Taguchi via roll up. And then the main event had Yo defeating El Esperado with the direct drive. Then yep. moving on to, uh, let's see, the next date here, December 5th, we had Nakashima and Oiwa again going to a draw. Then Doki, he lost to Taiji Ishimori via the bone lock. Yo defeats Yoshinobu Kanemaru with the five-star clutch. El Phantasmo defeats uh, Ritsuke Taguchi with a wrist lock. Uh, then we had Robbie Eagles defeating Show with the Ron Miller special. Hiromu Takahashi defeating Master Wato with the Time Bomb 2. And then the main event, Desperado, he defeats Bushi with the Pinche Loco. Yeah. So, and you didn't see either of these nights, correct? I did not, no. Okay. So, a couple of just quick thoughts. I, um, I'm i not going to give in-depth analysis here. Uh, but couple things. So, you know, Wato beating Kanemaru, that was kind of cool just because I think this is only the second singles match that they've had against one another um, after the match they had uh, at Jingu Stadium when Wato had first broken and everyone expected him to beat Kanemaru and he didn't. 
And then on this night, he was able to finally beat... He did beat Kenemaru in tag matches afterwards, but he never got that definitive singles win. So right. That was kind of one of the big stories going into that match, which was cool. Um, Eagles obviously beat Doki. Um, you know, the, the sad thing with that, just, obvi- you know, Doki having such a monumentous start to his Super Juniors and then kind of fizzling out and resuming his role of being a pin eater. So I think we might've overestimated what kind of point totals he (laughs) ends the tournament with, but there's still time for him to pick up a win or two before the whole thing's over. So um, good match there. Uh, Bushi defeated Taiji Shimori and that was, you know, a bit of a a surprise upset, but um, you know, we've always said Bushi is a guy that can beat anybody on any given night. And you know, provided you need to balance out some totals, not the worst call in the world. Short match, 13 minutes. Um, one that was interesting, Phantasmo against Show. This is the first time we've seen these two interact with one another uh, under the Bullet Club label. And they've wrestled each other uh, in a, you know, a series of matches in the past when Show was still part of Chaos. One thing I wanted to mention, and I keep forgetting, I, every time I watch a Super Juniors match, I keep forgetting to mention this. What was the point of changing the Rapongi 3K music if they were going to just break up later in the year? To make you think they're staying together. To work you, pal. Yeah, but everyone hated that music so much <laughs> more than the Rapongi 3K music. They had to pay someone to, to, to do that, you know? In this pandemic, that doesn't seem like a wise... <laughs> Maybe they were like, you know, we'll, we'll start getting that negative feeling towards them with this horrible music. It makes me wonder, like, if they actually planned to break them up or if it was, like, a spur of the moment. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, those reports did come out with, like, uh, you know, Dick Togo was kind of pitching this house of torture thing and kind of warning show to be the one to turn. So maybe they didn't know who was going to turn. Maybe they weren't quite sure who was going to – if they were actually going to break it. Because I think uh, Gato initially was against – according to the, the, the news story that Gato was against them breaking up so soon. So maybe they, it, there wasn't a plan for it. But this one was really interesting. You know, Phantasmo has a history of not necessarily playing well with other Bullet Club juniors in the past. We saw that with him and Robbie Eagles when they were both under the Bullet Club banner. Um, And he hasn't even always dealt fairly with uh, Ishimori when they faced off with one another. So uh, this one was interesting because Sho, even though he's part of the Bullet Club, um, things have been really scattered and there's this new subunit of house torture that we've kind of discussed extensively. So we suddenly have, you know, the old guard guy in ELP and then suddenly show shows up in the black and the purple repping house of torture. And, um, a lot of shenanigans in this match, a lot. This wasn't by any means a classic match, but there was, uh, (laughs) if, if this probably will play, as a pretty important chapter in the upcoming story between bull club, whatever it does end up being. But uh, some of the stuff I dug Phantasmo coming out and uh, he, re- he was like, <laughs> he referred to show as shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he pointed at him and called him fake bullet club. And he's like fake bullet club. And the, ch- and like the crowd started like clapping like, in unison to fake bullet club. <laughs> And um, show was incensed and started, uh, you know, speaking Japanese. And I couldn't understand what he said. But then they went to the timekeeper, the time because obviously 
J, uh, not Jay White, uh, ELP didn't understand it either. So they had to have a translator translate what show was saying to ELP. And he told him that he wanted him to do the finger poke at doom spot and, uh, and lay down for a show. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, these guys were not on the same page from the get go. And, um, there's kind of been a running story throughout the tournament where show has been cheating night after night. But the one thing, I don't know if we've picked up on it yet in this podcast, but he hasn't been able to do that effectively against the more seasoned veteran rule breakers. We saw him mm. lose to Kenamaru and we saw him have trouble with some of the other uh, more seasoned juniors who are bad guys. Well, in this match, he took the pinfall. Um, there was a series of escalating shenanigans, ref bumps, blah, 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 blah. And he tried to use the crowbar. Some stuff happened. There was low blows. And he got hit with sudden impact in the stomach. He got hit with the low super kick. Mm. He went to block it, and he got hit in the stomach. And he got hit in the stomach so hard that he tapped out on his knees after because he couldn't breathe anymore. Mm. <laughs> so pretty interesting um, finish to the ELP show stuff. Uh, it you know, I would say if you're looking for a great match, this wasn't it. But if you want to see something that was kind of interesting from a storytelling perspective and kind of funny, 11 minutes, it's not a bad match to check out by any means. Um, the main, the semi-main event here, Hiromu and uh, Taguchi, 8 minutes, 56 seconds. It was fine. It's kind of what it is Hiromu and uh, Taguchi playing the hits. But the main event here, Yo and Desperado, Obviously, Despy coming in as the junior champion. Yo, every match is life or death. He's basically on that Ric Flair, uh, if I lose, I got to retire, um, <laughs> career threatening. But that's uh, that's how he's at at this point. Like If he loses any match in this tournament, he is out. Um, but he was able to beat Desperado 18 minutes, 26 seconds with the direct drive. I've heard varying reports. I I kind of tend to agree with, um, the majority of individuals that I've seen who thought that the match was good, but you know, nothing special, but I think some people are really starting to invest into the yo storyline. And the nice thing was at the very end, he was able to kind of bust out the, uh, it's called the overdrive, right? Uh, direct drive. Ah, the direct drive. He bust out the direct drive kind of out of nowhere. So it was sort of like a flash, but he hit him, got him put away and it's kind of created this uh, sense where if he if he lands that on you, he can put anybody away, including the junior champion. So uh, we've talked about this in the past, that Yo was the wacky roll-up guy, and now suddenly he's got a finisher that is actually threatening and has kind of turned his super juniors around. But at the same time, it's not like he's putting out these classics the way that Sho has done in the past during these tournaments, if you get what I mean. Right, he's still kind of that, yeah, that kind of underdog, uh, plucky underdog that's kind of fighting for survival, and it's kind of he's kind of fighting out of desperation, but his his matches are not quite hitting that. He's not show going there having these you know, back and forth bangers with Hiromu and Taiji. Depends Shimori. on who you ask, too, though. Yeah, I mean, I th I think I saw um, Grapple has this rated at like three seven five. I think Ian Hamilton rated it like four stars. So there are some people in the know that had it pretty high. I was much lower, maybe like three and a half, you know, for a main event against the champion. It didn't knock my socks off. And I think most of the cage match uh, viewers and Raiders kind of felt the same way. But uh, 
an important match nonetheless. Yo is still alive, and I think my prediction that Yo is going to be in play going into the final night of Super Junior is coming to fruition. Um, this last show on 12-5, maybe the best night of the tournament. Um, just every match was very, very different. Um, the top three matches in particular, Eagles against Show, Hiromu against Wato, and Eo, uh, and Desperado against Bushi, all near the four-star mark. Match of the night, Hiromu versus Wato, believe it or not. And mm. uh, this was probably Wato's best match in the company, but I wouldn't sit – okay, I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't impressed with him. I was impressed with him, but bro, did Hiromu fuck him up. <laughs> Well, Hiromu, he pulled out the time Hiromu bomb too, so he, he must it must have been a kind of back crazy back and forth. Uh it was not a crazy back and forth. It was mostly Hiromu eating him up and Wato showing fighting spirit and heart and getting a lot of hope spots, but it kind of fit the tone of the match. Um you know, it kind of reminded me in some ways of Hiromu's initial run in the company when he first came in as that juggernaut and was just running roughshod of guys like Ricochet and Taguchi and you know, um, Kushida. Kushida and everybody like that. So kind of remind me of similar tone, very, very serious match. Uh, and there was one point, it was really cool. Wato got to the top rope and pretend like he was, what's, uh, what's the move he does? The RPP? Yep. RPP. Okay. He, he set up for the RPP and Hiromu started rolling away. So he got too far away. And Watto said, fuck this, and did a, a John Woo drop kick off the top rope into uh, Hiromu. Oh. Really, re- yeah, it was really cool. Um, easily four stars. Recommended match. I liked this um, quite a bit. Hiromu beat him. Desperado Bushi, right there. Very, very close in quality. And, um, you know, it was kind of make or break. Bushi sort of really needed this win to stay in contention, but so did Despi. So, you know, it, it was, like I said, make or break. Desperado ended up getting the uh, the win here, but Bushi, uh, it makes sense why Bushi got that big win over Taiji Ishimori the night before because he's going into the main event the second night. He and you know he didn't roll up Ishimori. He hit him with the MX off the top rope. So they kind of teased that he was going to accomplish that again here against Desperado. Did not come to fruition. Very very good match. Um, and Eagles and Show again. A lot of the same shenanigans that we've talked about with Show, but the difference here was Eagles has studied him and kind of prepared for it, and he kind of brought out some of the old Show as well. Um, so that one was really good. Those top three matches were great. Uh, El Fantasmo and Taguchi kind of sucked. 15 minutes was way too long for him to be doing like a, an ass dick-grabbing, you know. Yeah, it, kind of comedy, yeah. It, it, you know. It, you see those two guys, you know what you're going to get. So that was kind of like the low point of the night. And then Yo defeating Kenamaru, he kind of had to go through all the old man tricks of Kenamaru to stay alive. So um, that pretty much clears it up. Uh, I highly recommend the 12-5 night. I think it's um, cumulatively one of the best nights of the turn of the Super Juniors this year. So at this point with the standings, we've got Doki eliminated at four points. Wato eliminated at six points. Bushi eliminated at eight points. Taguchi eliminated at eight points. Kenamaro eliminated at eight points. Uh, the guys that are still alive, um, Taiji Shimori, 10 points. Yo, 10 points. ELP, 10 points. Robbie Eagles, 10 points. 
Uh, Hiromu Takahashi and El Desperado both tied it for second place with 11 points, and then Sho sitting at the top of the block, 12 points. Yeah, so very interesting top of the block here. All those from Yo up to show all those guys you mentioned are still alive. There's a lot of scenarios coming up with these last two nights. Where and any, Ishimori. Yeah, and Ishimori. Excuse me, Ishimori up to show any one of those guys could get the win here. And all those guys, they all have key matches coming up these last two nights. I know uh, the big prediction we have here is show against Joe in the finals and for that to to happen there. Well, I don't know if it's going to be show versus you in the finals. I kind of made that correction. So on the final night show and yo are in the, on December 11th, they're facing off. Right. So, and that kind of makes me feel like maybe they won't end up in the finals on the 15th against one another. I had kind of predicted that that was the case, but again, I was thinking, the kind of booking you do when it's a double block. And I, I keep forgetting it's a single block tournament. Uh, that doesn't mean that they couldn't end up in the finals against one another. But I don't know if I'm a big advocate of them doing an immediate rematch unless something happens in this match that necessitates it. Yeah, but I feel like one of those two guys could get to the finals off of that match. Like uh, if Sho uh, beats Ishimori, or if uh, Ishimori beats Sho... On night 10, you have both those guys going with 12. Then Yo beats ELP on the 8th. He gets to 12. Then you have both Sho and Yo at 12 uh, going into December 11th. Uh, Yeah, I mean, at this point, Yo has to win, essentially. Uh, the, The four guys who have to win the remainder of their matches pretty much to stay alive are Eagles, Phantasmo, Yo, and Ishimori. Yeah. So. For the for the most part. So, I mean, there's a little wiggle room with Hiromu, Desperado, and Sho. Um, but those guys that are still kind of alive, they're right on the cusp. And I'm thinking Yo beats ELP to continue this uh this storyline here for him. Yeah, I think so I, I think he's gonna be ELP. I think him and Sho are gonna be tied going into the eleventh. Both have twelve points. Uh, possibly. I mean, he could come into it with 12 points. Show could, uh, win and be sitting at the top of the block with 14 points. And if he beats show, they tie on the final night. He has the tiebreaker show. And, and actually if they're the top two with 14 points, they might end up still facing each other in an immediate rematch on the 15th, or depending on how the points shake out, that could be the impetus for shows. Um, you know, getting knocked out of the finals. Yeah, Yo spoils him. Yeah, so I'm not even convinced that Ishimori's beating Show. In fact, if I was booking this, I would have Show beat him. Uh, depending on how I haven't done all the fine math, but I think Show beats Ishimori. Yo beats ELP, and then Yo beats Show on the final night. Or maybe you do the heartbreak, the heartbreaker, and you really put over Show <laughs> by having him cheat and beat. Uh, um, yo on the final night to get into the finals. I think the one thing is if show loses to Ishimori, right. Mm-hmm. And they go and they both go in with 12 points in the final night. The chances that show cheats and wins, I think are a lot higher than if he goes in with 14 points and show and yo's the underdog, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I feel like 
Sho Sho won the first match, and so Yo needs to get the the win back here in, in this rivalry. So yeah, I, th- I think in, I, I like like the way you painted out. Sho goes with fourteen. Yo also goes with twelve and beats him and gets fourteen. So let's look at a couple. So we've kind of talked about Sho and Yo, and you know, in return, kind of talked about Ishimori and ELP. So Rapongi three K and Bullet Club. Um, sort of amalgamated there. Uh, we've got Hiromu um, on the docket. He's got Doki on the 8th, and then on the 11th, he's facing off against Robbie Eagles. I'm calling uh, upset alert with Doki. You think Doki's going to beat Hiromu? Yeah. So at that point, that would leave Hiromu at 11 points, and then he would need to beat Robbie Eagles on the final night to uh, get 13 points to be in contention to, you know, to make it to the finals. Yeah, I think he's going to beat Eagles and, and get that 13. So you think that um, Hiromu is the most likely candidate for the guy that goes through to the finals to face either Sho or Yo? Yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, I could definitely see that. Uh, let's take a look at what Eagles is doing. So Eagles has Kenemaru on the first night, which I think is a very winnable match for him. Mm-hmm. Um, that would put him at 12. So let's say hypothetically you're right and Hiromu loses and go, he would be actually at 11 points. Eagles would be at 12. Eagles would kind of have the slight edge over him. And then that's like a do or die match for both guys. Right. Yeah. So I kind of like that booking. Um, and I think obviously it would benefit Doki to kind of rack up the last two couple points, but I am not a big fan of, of Hiromu going in um, as like a point leader necessarily, like a tip top point leader on that final night. I think it would be better if he uh, did take that loss, but who knows if that's really going to happen. I mean, that's a big ask Doki beating Hiromu, regardless of whether it's in super juniors or not. That's a huge, huge upset. Even if, you know, it's a huge upset. Yeah, it is. But I feel like they've been giving Doki more. Hiromu's already beaten him two or three times straight in their history. So I think it would be cool yeah. for Doki to kind of get this uh, one up on him. The main thing that makes me think you could be right is just the sense that it might actually benefit Hiromu's trajectory going into the uh, the 11th show. You right. know? Yeah. So there is that part of me that kind of sees that. I think if Hiromu beats Doki then maybe it's a lock that he's going to the finals, but it could also be the the key indicator that maybe he's going to lose to Eagles. Yeah, so he, he beats Doki, then yeah, he's going in with, what, 13, and then let's, right. say, let's say Eagle comes in with 12, then yeah, Eagles gets the win, and he would be 14. Right. So, And we've already seen Eagles pick up a big win over Hiromu this past year, so I think Hiromu kind of needs to... Uh, get that win back at this point mm. on, on the big stage. And so I, I agree with you. I think Doki beats Hiromu and then Hiromu beats Eagles on the final night to potentially go through to the finals. Um, other interesting thing here. So our other uh, second place leader, the IWGP junior champion Desperado, he's got Taguchi on the t- uh, night 10. And then on night 11, he has ELP. 
And both of those guys could potentially be spoilers, but I'm leaning more towards ELP since I think he's already pre. I think he's gonna be knocked out going into the final night. I agree. I could see uh, Despy easily, yeah, beating Taguchi on uh, the eighth, and then yeah, ELP pulling some shenanigans with the uh, sudden death of the loaded boot to to get one up over on Despy. Yeah, the other thing with that too is just um, you know ELP is a guy that in the past I would have said was probably a lock to win one of these, you know, last couple super juniors hasn't worked out that way, but um, he's still like one of the rising stars in the division. And, you know, he cut that big promo talking about wrestle kingdom and the things that were on the horizon for him. And we still haven't had a resolution to the sudden impact storyline with, you know, the loaded boot. So it would make all the sense in the world to me for him to come in as the spoiler on the final night, beat the champion, and now he's automatically put himself in line, you know, super juniors or no super juniors, to be uh, a future challenger for the IWGP Junior Championship. So I think that's what's happening. I think Yo's going to be ELP on the on the second of last night, and then ELP is going to turn around and beat Desperado uh, on the final night to knock him out and also set up a future title shot for himself. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, in the meantime, you know, uh, most of these other jabrones are kind of knocked out. The one guy who isn't is Ishimori, and he's got Taguchi on the final night, but what else does he have going on? So he, he has show on, show on Wednesday. Yeah, and I think he loses to show and he gets knocked out going into the final night. Yeah, if you, if you, I, if you want show coming in strong and yo pulling that upset... You could do that. That's that's what I'm thinking. So I think he's not going to be in contention going into the final night at all. And then I think he probably beats Taguchi just to kind of up his points total to kind of make him at parity with a lot of these guys and then finish strong. But, you know, he, he's not going to win. Yeah. And I think that's it. That's I think I think that you and I have laid out a pretty – I think this is what's probably, <laughs> probably happening. I think Yo's going to beat Show on the final night. Tie him at 14 points, go into the finals, and Hiromu's going to have to beat Ro- – it's going to come down to Shonyo and Eagles and Hiromu. Those will be the, the two deciding matches. And I think Hiromu's going to be Eagles. And we're going to end up with Yo versus Hiromu uh, for the best Super Juniors finals. Yeah, and that's going to be you know the, the time for Yo. Like, you, you got to show us something here. Like, if you're they're giving you the platform in the, in the finals with, with uh, Hiromu and it doesn't deliver, then – that's not a good sign. Now, here's the other possibility. We could be overlooking the fact that they are pushing show, and show could be the guy. And at that point, I think either Hiromu or Eagles would be a fitting dance partner for him on the final night. Yeah, I mean, the, that is one thing I thought about, that's that kind of bayface, bayface dynamic of doing Yo and Hiromu. Also, they, they've done stuff like that in the past before. And, but it could be if they want that more traditional alignment, you do show Hiromu or you do show Eagles. Yeah. Let me look at one interesting tidbit here. I've got the Super Juniors um, results pulled up. So show has only lost in this tournament. He lost to Eagles and he lost to Kenamaro and Phantasmo. So those were, you know, two world break two rule breakers that uh, kind of outsmarted him. So he did beat Hiromu in this tournament and 
for those individuals who think Hiromu's going, they're going to do wash, rinse, and repeat, and Hiromu's going to win the whole thing, Sho might not be the worst dance partner because he's a guy that's already beaten him in this tournament. Right, then Hiromu can get the win back, but uh, Sho could still have an argument and then somehow still get up a, a title match. Something like that. I think that's the the laziest and most boring route to go. Um, but then you have to ask yourself, well, what are we doing for Wrestle Kingdom? And do we want Yo versus um, Despi. <laughs> Desperado? You know, um, or or should it just be that Hiromu is going to win the whole thing? I think on the flip side, Yo's did Yo lose to Hiromu as uh, already? He did. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that wouldn't pose as much of a threat to Hiromu. I mean, obviously Yo streaking, but Hiromu already beat him in the tournament. So if those two if those two guys end up in the finals together, that kind of telegraphs it that Yo's probably winning, I would assume. Um because it's not that compelling if Hiromu just beats the guy twice, you know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, it's so- got me it's got me thinking a little bit. Cause I mean, I think if Yo beats Sho and ends up against Hiromu, Yo needs to win. And then Obviously, we got two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, so there's still wiggle room to do other things. But do we really want Yo versus Desperado? And also, what do we make of the Hiromu Desperado draw from earlier in the tournament? Is that just uh, you know just another chapter in a long series of matches between them, or is that going to be the impetus for a Wrestle Kingdom match? You know, it could be an impetus for a Wrestle Kingdom match. I mean, you could have Yo. He wins a tournament, and then night one, you do Yo versus Despi, and then Hiromu's like, hey, you know, I, I drew up the champ. I, I want the winner. So you, you do Yo versus Despi night one. I would have Despi retain, and then you do Despi Hiromu night two. You could, but then also let's think about this. So Desperado in this tournament has lost to Sho. He's lost to Yo. He's lost to Ishimori. He drew with Hiromu. And he still has ELP and Taguchi. And in order for him to not make it to the finals, he needs to lose to one of them, probably ELP. So, I mean, that's like a lot of guys kind of beating the champion in the same tournament, which I don't feel like they usually have the champion lose this many times. No, they don't. But I definitely think the single block is kind of throwing some of that that booking off. But at the same time, you know, that helps for... Two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, you could do some stuff there. Maybe you they'd end up doing a multi-man match instead of just some one-on-ones. And it also kind of sets up the post-Wrestle Kingdom. You have plenty of challengers lined up for Desperado. That is if he retains his titles on the two nights at Wrestle Kingdom. That is true, yeah. So, um, very interesting. Final thoughts. Who? What do we think is going to be the final? You think it's going to be Yo Hiromu and then Hiromu beats Yo? I, I'm starting to lean... Towards show Hiromu. Hmm. I I just have a hard time with Yo just losing like that. Coming firing up, coming back, and then just having him lose once again to show. This is why I don't like single block tournaments. Um there's also the the possibility that it's Yo Robbie Eagles. Yeah, I don't like that. Yo did beat Robbie Eagles in this tournament already. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Yo Hiromu. Hmm. 
Very interesting. I think uh, I will sit on the fence with this one and I'll say <laughs> it's either going to be Sho or Yo against Hiromu, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. um, I feel like sh- in a certain way, Sho, if Sho wins, they did this whole story of Yo's redemption just to build for the big heat spot for Sho to beat him. Mm. And break his heart, um, which might not be what people want to hear or see. But like, even though Yo is like on this miracle run, and they've given him a compelling finisher, I haven't seen enough out of him in this tournament to think like this is a future of the division. This is a top guy. This is someone who could be in a big top spot at Wrestle Kingdom, even a you know ten thousand seat <laughs> Tokyo Dome. Like I don't know. And I like the guy, but I'm just being, I'm just shooting from the hip. I just don't see it right now. Yeah, you're right. That, that makes me think it's, it's going to be, it's going to be Sho Hiromu. I think the booking of Yo gets to the point where he can upset Sho is better. You know, I think that that's, uh, in a nutshell, that's great. But then when you have to start thinking about Wrestle Kingdom and the finals, it's hard for me to buy that show that Yo's, but who knows? Maybe they're doing something new. Maybe they are going to give Yo a shot, you know? Yeah. And I mean, but I don't know if I was them, I I would just do. I know I said this was boring, but now I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at all the possibilities. Like Desperado Hiromu probably is like that big wrestle kingdom caliber match that we all want to see. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I I have a hard time. Like, this is not one of those years where you experiment and you test something out and you, you you throw yo in there. I feel like, especially with limited capacity, you you want limited guys in limited match opportunities. You do the, the drawing match. You do Hiromu and Despy. I'm convinced Show's gonna beat Yo on the final night through mm-hmm. cheating, and everyone's gonna be expecting Yo to win, but it's gonna be Show. Mm-hmm. And um, he's gonna break the, those hearts, and then it's gonna be Hiromu's show on the finals, right? And then you can still, in a way, that he will get his his just desserts, his just due when he loses to Hiromu. Well, the story between Yo and Show isn't over. That's just one chapter. It's a big right. one, but uh, it, it it'll make their match matter quite a bit when once we get there. But uh, yeah, I mean, Yo Show against one another. Like, here's my thinking. Yo loses now so that he can come back and slay show later on, on a bigger stage. Yeah. Maybe the finals of the next year, maybe some, yeah, maybe somewhere else. I don't know, but that's what I'm thinking this is going to be. So I think it is going to be show Hiromu final answer. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm going as well. Yeah. Show Hiromu. So, um, and yeah, so we've kind of gone over, I think through that discussion, pretty much gone over <laughs> everything. There, there are a few other matches, Doki versus Wato on, uh, the 11th and Bushi versus Kenamaro on the 11th as well. So those, um, I think these last three nights, uh, the eighth, the 11th, as well as the 12th are all going to be very, very interesting and, and probably worthwhile to, to watch, even if you haven't been completely following the tournament. Yeah. We had some questions, oh, oh, questions here. I was going to, I was going to say the same thing as you. We got some <laughs> questions. Uh, so first one, Reddit user Viking Paint says, yo, I was listening back to some of your Kiss episodes and on the Bret Hart one, y'all buried my boy Doki, calling his pipe and look trash and him a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and Power Rangers villain 
giving him an 18 overall out of 40. Apologize to my boy, LOL. No, I think he was saying apologize, my boy, mm. LOL. <laughs> like, like, you know, he's referring to us that we need to apologize. So, um, and, you know, I don't like being called boy, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about we just do this? It's 2021. Let's break out the Bret Hart scale and rate Doki right here, right now. Okay, so we got look, Mike, look, work. Look, Mike, work, and it, that it, intangible. It factor. The it factor. So for look, uh, I'm a four. Really? I don't even know. For look, Doki has a horrible look, bro. Maybe like, give him like a six. Hell no. <laughs> Hell, we we can call it a five if you okay, want. Okay, yeah, let's, let's call it let's call it five. We can call it a five, but dude, let's not kid ourselves. Do I like Dokia? Yeah, I like him a lot. Did I like him back then? I know we like probably ragged on him, but I've I clearly recall thinking he was better than most people gave him credit for. But he, he uh, did. Yeah, you were you were one of the first ones that were like, Doki's low key, low key raw. But his look has always been terrible, and even though he's got some new gear, let's like let's not pretend that he doesn't look like a goon. Like right. he looks like a fucking goon. Let's give him, let's give him a five. We'll give the man a five. Right. I'm I I feel he's a four though. But <laughs> no no muscles, long stringy hair, half mask with the face paint, mesh top. I hey, don't know what the fuck is but, going but on. But kids dress up as him now, so that's true. So five, okay. So work. I would go seven. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there, seven. So we're already almost higher than we were the last time, so that's 12. Um, for mic work, I don't think the man ever talks, and when he does talk, I've seen some translations, and I, I'm not think. I mean, I don't know. I can't. There's definitely stuff that could be lost in translation, but I don't think Doki's like this uh, far-out promo. I'd Three? Two, uh, it's hard to tell. I mean, I yeah, let's go three. I would go. Yeah, let's go. Three. I watch the backstage promos. This man doesn't say shit. <laughs> let's go three. That's a little generous. I don't know, man. Okay, we'll go three, and then uh, it factor. The it factor. You know, there's definitely something about him. You know, kids like him. I like him. You know, but it's an underdog sort of deal. Plus, you know, plus he's out there killing himself, so I think people appreciate him more. But right, he's got that that it factor for him is almost like he's just going to try and kill himself. You never know what he's yeah. going to do. You don't know what he's going to do, you know. So, um, six. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Twenty-one so five. Okay, so he so he's not a four team, or he's going up seven points. So, <laughs> man, there you go, elevating. And I think I would have rated him a lot lower. Jeremy's here as an advocate for, on this man's behalf. I think I probably would have gone like eighteen. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't. So oh, so we we get he was, he was eighteen last time. That's where I see him. So oh, okay. So he was eighteen last time. We only brought him up to twenty one. Yeah. So we we didn't bury him. We're just honest. The man's a great – listen, you don't have to be in the 30s to be a great wrestler. You can be an incredible wrestler like Doki and be 18 or 21. Yeah. 
I Come think, on. I think he's earned to get over go over the halfway part, you know, right at that 20, 21 mark. All right. We'll get we'll give him that 21. He's this, over this 500. Man, this man is selling merch now. The, the the pipes are available on the Tokon Shop Global. Like this this man's making moves. Pussy Destroyer 83619 <laughs> said, "Doki has been the highlight of this tournament. If you had to pick top 3 junior work rate wise, Doki would have to be in the conversation. Do you think next year Doki will finally be taken as, seri- as a serious wrestler and contend for the belt or even win it? Uh, I have a very hard time seeing Doki win the junior title. Um, I do think as we've seen this year and this way he was booked in this earlier in this tournament, I think he is being taken uh, more seriously as a wrestler. I mean, I think he could get to the point where he challenges for a title, I don't, but I don't see him winning it. I have a tough time saying that he's top three in this tournament. I think he's shine. He's shown in the uh, opportunities they've given him, but I don't know, man. I don't think he's out here outperforming Hiromu, Desperado, Robbie Eagles, Ishimori, and. You know, even just those four, or maybe even, I don't know, Bushi's going to have a low-key okay tournament. Yeah. Okay, I'll just say those four. I think he's top five, probably. Yeah, and to be fair, I, he's not getting a ton of main events like a lot of those top guys are getting. He's getting those 10 to 15 right. opener mid-card, which he's doing great for those slots. I, You know, we haven't seen him test it out. And who knows? I mean, next year he'll get more semi mains and main events. We'll get to see more. But he he did peak early. You know, he was kind of getting that grumpy Tiger Mask uh, run going. He was peaking earlier and was having some really good matches. When we were very critical on the whole tournament, people needing to try harder. But I feel as the tournament has gone on, we've seen the top performers like Hiromu and Ishimori and these guys working really hard and having better matches and kind of lower Doki down the totem pole. But I do think if, if he continues to do what he's doing. They will take him more serious in the future. And could he even contend or challenge for a belt or win it at some point? I don't know about win it. Maybe it's the junior title. Every, you know, it's not impossible. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Raising Falcon. This is I have Yo versus ELP in the finals with ELP going over. So it feels so good to see Yo making the comeback. How far fetched do you think my prediction is? I don't think it can happen mathematically. Um, I guess it could uh, if ELP – okay, so here's the only way. ELP has to beat everybody to get into the finals, um, and that means he has to beat Yo. And if he beats Yo, Yo can't make it to the finals. So I'm sorry, Raising Falcons. Um, I don't know if you checked the math, but there's no way they can both go to the finals at this point. Right. That, that match on Wednesday is pretty much a determiner for either one of those guys. That is one thing we haven't thought about. What if we're assuming that Yo is going to make it to the finals, but what if ELP just spoils him in the next night? Then that opens up a whole nother series of possibilities. We could end up with like a Hiromu ELP final. Right, and then you just have Yo spoil show and stop him from going to the finals. That is a possibility. I think, you know, we're pretty fixated on this Yo storyline. Um, but Yo could be ELP could be Yo, and then ELP could be one of the, then he's in play at the on the last night. Yeah, but then he then he has to beat Despy, like, which we think he's going to. And if he does that, then 
you know, we could see him in Eagles, or we could see him in Hiromu, or him in Show. Yeah, I think him and Eagles would be a cool finalist based off their whole history and story. Nah, they're they're all white. We need we need to get <laughs> some uh, domestic stars. You know, that's true. Yeah, they would they would need at least one domestic guy in there. Dom Homie 101 said, thoughts on the best of the Super Juniors taking place in the winter? Do you like it the way or it is, or do you like doing it during its original time slot? I mean, I'm all for the, the original May time slot double block. I just feel like it's a, a better time of the year. Because um, uh, truth be told, at the end of the year for New Japan, everybody's checking out until it's Wrestle Kingdom time. Nobody's wa- Nobody watches World Tag League and Road to Tokyo Dome like, People they kind of check out until it's you know January fourth and it was time for the Tokyo Dome. Um, in May, people are still locked in. They're excited. They're looking forward to the tournament. It's it's a, it's a better overall time. I'll tell you one thing. I I really I agree with everything you said, Jeremy. But in addition to that, I hate tag league and Super Juniors happening c- concurrently. So um, if they could just do Super Juniors in December and do it with two blocks and the Outsiders and no RAR no guardrails and it be something that mattered. Maybe I could consider possibly liking that, but December just seems like a bad touring time historically for new Japan. So they've always put the world tag league there. Yeah. I think it needs to be a summer. It needs to be a summer, um, fucking tournament. Yeah. So we got, we but, got the uh, finals coming up, uh, next Wednesday, December 15th. We'll have the World Tag League Finals and the Super Junior Finals, and I'm sure we'll get some kind of uh, other we'll matches. We'll have a preview. Yeah. yeah. We'll have a preview that we'll, we're going to record prior to Tuesday, so we'll get an early episode out next week as a preview. And then the following week will be, you know, so we're not going to have that early review like maybe some other podcasts. We're, you know, we'll, we'll resume our regular uh, recording schedule the next week where we'll be able to talk tag league or the finals and then also give you previews for like roads to Tokyo dome and everything that's happening with wrestle kingdoms. Right. And I think we'll also be announcing the awards on, on that one as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be big. Um, MJP MJ does PRS had a couple questions. He said, who's taking the biggest step forward in world tag league slash super juniors. Who's taking the biggest step back. Has best super juniors lost some of his prestige being paired with tag league at the end of the year? So let's see. Uh, biggest step forward, um, I th- probably think Ishimori. I'd say show. Okay. Are you saying just in in this positioning? Yeah, I mean he's never had this many points, and you know, been a factor to potentially win the whole thing, and been a focal point. I mean, a lot of the story kind of revolves around him. Uh, maybe the work has taken a step back, but like, if there was someone who was just performing at a way higher level than they ever have before and blowing us all away, then I'd say them. But it's a pretty mid tournament. I I don't I haven't seen. And not to say that they're not wrestling well or having good matches, but there's no one out here like slaying the competition. You know, it's pretty by the numbers. So for me, in Super Juniors, this show easily. Gotcha. I guess I was thinking more, a little bit more in ring work. And I just feel like we talked about earlier how Ishimori, he, he kind of sometimes is a little lazy in this tournament. I feel like he's really worked hard. I would agree. He's ha- having a better tournament than he did last year, but he's not having. 
the best tournament he's ever had. That's true. Or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so definitely from a kayfabe standpoint, it would have to be a show. In terms of a tag league, I don't know. I'd probably say Naito Sonata. Yeah. They've never really, I mean, they, they've never been in this tag league together before, but uh, th- to me, they're the ones that are making the biggest splash and biggest impression on me. Yeah, and you could say, you know, an empire, because uh, Aaron Nara, he's, he's been working really hard, and him and Ocon have clicked and have developed some great chemistry, and they've looked really well also. I agree. Uh, so let's talk about the biggest step back um, in the – Super Juniors, for me, the biggest step back would probably have to be – so that's a hard one because I don't know that anyone's really taken a step back. You know, I think everyone has pretty much um, done uh, what either above what was expected of them or matched it. I actually couldn't say that anyone's taken a step back at all. The only thing that I'm a little surprised by is how many – losses desperado's taken as champion but other than that i wouldn't i wouldn't say anyone's taking a step back yeah i mean everybody's maybe taguchi yeah but he's you know still kind of slotted pretty high eight points um right from a kayfabe perspective you could say master watto i feel like he got a a little bit of higher score last year and was in more he was in more main events than my main events last year that's true it's just the the improved work kind of evens it out for me yeah um, in tag league, oh man, I don't know if anyone's taken, um, I don't know, like, we got a lot of new teams I, this year. I feel like you're cheating if you throw out like a Tenkoji or like a Great Bash heel, but that might be the right answer. Um, in a certain sense, maybe G.O.D. because... They always, always, always are factoring into the finals, and this year it feels like they're probably not going to. So yeah. from that that standpoint, maybe them. Yeah, probably them. Because yeah, even with they have ten points now, we talked about it's going to be very hard for them to even get uh, into the finals. The other t- another team in uh, tag league that's taken a huge step forward, especially in booking, uh, is Folly and Owens. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good questions there. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think we both agree that Super Juniors is not as prestigious for all the reasons we've kind of listed earlier. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our Super Junior and World Tag League talk. We have some few uh, news items here, then some questions, and we'll get to the recommended match of the week. Uh, so first thing, uh, New Japan has announced that Clark Connors has co- contracted COVID-19, and he had to miss the scheduled LA Comic-Con appearance this past weekend in a statement on their website. NJPW says that Carnes is experiencing mild symptoms and he had not he had he has not had close contact with other wrestlers. Connor has been scheduled to appear on the NJPW Comic Con booth meet and greet this past Friday, December 3rd, in a panel discussion with Jay White and Fred Rosser. On Saturday, December 4th, the, the company announced that Gabriel Kidd took his place in the events. NJPW went on to say that Connor's status for the Thursday, December 9th, strong nemesis tapings in Los Angeles is subject to a negative COVID-19 test. Connors is currently scheduled to team with Jordan Clearwater against Bull Club's Chris Bay and Hikaleo. Uh, then we had some news from Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, they revealed Kenta's match for their New Year's Day show at Budokan Hall. Kenta will team with Kazushi Sakuraba and Takashi Segura in a six-man tag match against Daiki Inaba and Masa Kitamiya and Yoshiko Inamura at Noah's New Year 2022 
The show is taking place on Saturday, January 1st, and will be available live on Noah's Wrestle Universe streaming service. Uh, we have an update with Will Ospreay and MLW. Will Ospreay says his MLW debut will happen after all. This comes a few days after reports emerged that Ospreay's MLW deal had been nixed. Uh, both Ospreay and NJPW uh, and Void Rocky Romero called these reports into question. Ospreay went as far as to say that his debut with MLW will still take place. Ospreay tweeted, lads, MLW will happen. Just not when it was meant to. Meant to. Everyone calm your tits. The report has cited that unnamed sources stating that the working relationship between MLW and New Japan Pro Wrestling reportedly came to an end in mid-November, which meaning former IWGP champion Osprey could not appear for the company as previously announced. Neither MLW nor Court Bauer have commented publicly about the relationship or Osprey. Yeah, one thing I was confused about, when you and I had spoken about this, um, you had mentioned it had something to do with them working with All Japan, but... Everything I was reading today said it had something to do with them featuring AAA talent and the CMLL uh, kind of issue. Yeah, I think what I saw yesterday was more of just a speculation of, of people uh, kind, of, kind of assuming it was because of the, the All Japan uh, relationship and MLW getting ready to feature some All Japan guys. That that was the issue. But, yeah, it definitely looks like the AAA might have been. Because I know that Osprey, they were gonna, they wanted him to work, to work the Crash show and uh, MLW was doing, and New Japan was like, no, he can't do that. But I guess they were bringing some Crash guys to the States, and that's thing, yeah, New Japan doesn't want Osprey working on stuff that's going to have Crash guys. Great. Well, um, that is going to... Oh, you know, there was... Uh, they did announce uh, Minoru Suzuki for uh, an DDT. upcoming DDT. But, you know, it didn't look like anything I want to see. It's like a mixed tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which uh, we did have a question about that uh, from PCN91. Because with the recent news that Minoru Suzuki is going to be at the big year-end DDT show, is there any other New Japan talent or people associated with New Japan who you'd like to see go have a match in another promotion? I mean, honestly, I know it's a cop-out answer, but I'm open to anybody working pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, I don't really follow all those other companies, although I'm acutely aware of them. But, I mean, you know, if Ibushi goes and wrestles in, you know, Big Japan or something like that, or someone has another, like, Futen or Hard Hit or some other shoot-style fight, or someone goes to Freedoms, you know, like, and has a death match. I'm going to watch it. So I'm pretty much open to anybody I don't really have a dream match uh, or like a, a dream promotion to pair up with any particular wrestler. Like, but I would like to see more of that sort of stuff happening. Yeah. The, the, the first thing that's popped in my head, I think it'd be pretty cool. We're seeing guys kind of go back to their home promotions. It'd be cool to see like a Bushi go back to DDT and do like a big match there. Yeah. I mean, that would be big business and, you know, kind of be interesting. So, yeah, you might have a good point there, too. Uh, his next question is also, is there anyone who is currently in another promotion you would like to see come work a match in New Japan? Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot of guys. I mean, um, I mean, Brian Danielson's number one for me right now. I think he kind of meant just in, um, in Japan. Japan, but maybe I'm wrong. Gotcha. Um, I really like uh, Takuya Nomura, the new uh, the, the kid that's the uh, big Japan world champion, the strong champion. He's uh, very, very impressive. He actually, I think last year, had a match, uh, sort of like a showcase match against um, 
Suzuki. That was pretty, pretty fun. I mean, there's Sakamoto. Uh, what's his name? Konosuke. Takeshita. Yeah, Takeshita would be awesome. Most of the guys from Noah, Jake Lee. Strong um, hearts. Yeah, the strong hearts are out there. There's a lot of guys in uh, Dragon Gate. Um, why do I forget names? Who's the fucking ace of all Japan? Uh, Miyahara. Yeah, Kento. I would all those guys. I'm open to all of it. You know. Yeah. Uh, his last. Did I question? say Sakamoto? Yeah, you did. Yeah, all those guys. Uh, his last question: Do you think we will get any uh, any other over appearances from New Japan talent at the Noah One One Show? Outside of the already announced Kenta appearance. I would say it's very likely. I think it would be a wasted opportunity if they didn't. Yeah, you want to try and shoot some hot angles to get that uh, third to- or third uh, Wrestle Kingdom show hot. Next question, fit underscore beautiful 2638 said, who do you think challenges Ishii for the never title at Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, that's very interesting, especially since Ishii hasn't been on this World Tag League tour uh, so it seems like Road to Tokyo Dome will probably be the, the key thing that's going to set up his title matches. Uh, but I don't know. It's not one guy that's really popping out to me. Cobb. Yeah, that that would make a ton of sense. You could you could do Cobb. Um, if he's healthy, you could do Abushi. Uh, um, yeah, it seems like kind of a step down for him though. Not, not really. There's no white belt, and he's not going to be in the top two main events. I'm not sure what else he's going to do. So, from that standpoint, kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just because Ishii's got the title, it's a step down now. It wasn't a step down when Jay White and Tanahashi had that <laughs> shit. Oh, well, prejudice against my dog right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Normally, we really don't see many guys going down for never but i guess you know jay was that's because they that's because nobody wants smoke with ishii they never want to fuck with the stone pitbull right that's true they don't want to run it with him so we'll see what happens uh next question from viking pain is we know that wrestling in japan had already suffered greatly from covid but with the omnicron on the horizon do you think priorezu as a whole will be able to survive a third year of the pandemic yeah i mean we could give you a more in-depth answer but i i think yes yeah, I think if they keep keep doing what they're doing, then yes, they can, they can survive one more year. He also asks, it seems like with Suzuki working with DET and Kenta with Noah, New Japan is really opening the real Forbidden Door with other domestic promotions now. But do you guys feel like they're missing an opportunity but not doing anything with stardom? They are arguably the hottest promotion in Japan right now, and Kairi Hojo is teasing a possible return as well. Well, a couple things here. Um they're not working with DDT necessarily, although we've heard rumors. We reported on those rumors, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. But Suzuki's a freelancer. Go to Cage Match and look at his uh, matches throughout the year. He always works at least two, three, four. This year, I think he's worked like five or six different Japanese promotions already. Um, they don't always get promoted properly, or at least maybe here in the West, so we don't hear about it. But you know, Suzuki working DDT isn't necessarily a big deal. Um, it's not like he's never – well, maybe he never has worked there, but he's worked a lot other places. Like I mentioned, he worked Big Japan last year, and nobody was saying that New Japan and Big Japan had a, a – rela- he's a freelancer. 
You know right, what I mean? Yeah. He can he can do whatever he wants. The Kenta Noah thing, we obviously understand that. I'm not trying to be pessimistic here. Do I think that there could be a potential of them working domestically with other companies? Yes, I do. And we've kind of talked about that. But uh, as far as the stardom thing, I don't really understand the question because they have worked with stardom. Their brother and sister promotion, they have the same parent company and they've featured stardom talent on several of their big shows for a few years now. Um, and they don't have women in their promotion anyway. So what kind of cross angle could they be doing unless we're talking interpromotional stuff? Yeah, the only thing uh, that I think that could be cool, cool to do, kind of like how Cyberfight had their big festival thing with all their promotions on it, you could do like a, a Bushi Road super show when you do top matches from Stardom and top matches from New Japan. Maybe one or two. You think that's just going to draw? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, Stardom is hot for sure. But I will say this. It would be cap to say they're the hot one of the arguably the hottest promotion in Japan right now. They're not hotter than Noah. They're not hotter than Dragon Gate. Maybe to Westerners it might seem that way, but the attendance numbers and everything like that does disagrees. Mm. But they are obviously this is the hottest Joshi has been in a long time. Decades. Yeah. Decades, for sure. So I'm not I'm not talking down on them. I think what they're doing right now is incredible. But uh you know, they're not hotter than Noah, and they're not hotter than Dragon Gate. Yeah. Uh, next question from Razor the Dark Soldier. He says, I'm a big fan of how in these last few podcasts, you guys haven't, haven't been burying all the frogs. Greatly appreciated. How do you feel about that? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty funny. Uh, next question. <laughs> uh, he says, also, do you feel like Toriano should do a small AEW run like Suzuki? It'd take him off of NJPW for a bit So his chick there can be missed for a bit His chick will be welcomed in AEW He can do some chaos things with Rocky Romero And the best friends And most importantly he could team up with Orange Cassidy Who do you, what do you think? Yeah I think it's fine uh, It would kind of remind me a little bit of like What Ryo Mizunami And uh, who's the other chick That I really don't like The the meme wrestler um, Joshi chick uh, Emi Sakura no, I like Emi Sakura. No, the uh, one that's terrible. Uh, Lulu Maki Pencil. Ito. Oh, Makito. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of it would kind of remind me of like what they did a little bit in AEW to some degree. I just I know that there's definitely like a hardcore base that knows Yano and would be really into it. Uh, but you know those days where he got those big, big, big cheers in San Francisco that was like four or five years ago. I don't know how many people are really uh, clamoring for. It, it would just be like a fun throwaway sort of thing if Yana went there but it wouldn't be like uh maybe I'm wrong I don't know maybe he'd get super over I I I think we you need the right city we saw with Ishii like the crowd didn't know him at first and then he also he he won them over so if if you want some kind of pop or reaction I think you you need to do it in maybe one of those ROH hotbeds where they did a bunch of uh, world of war stuff and people will, will react to Yana Last couple questions. Um, Hawaiian Punch B- BV said, with the Forbidden Door opening up more domestically, will we see New Japan working with other pro companies this year? All Japan is losing three good wrestlers later this year. So could they be wanting to work with New Japan with their roster looking a bit thin for the next year? Is there a friendship between Dick Togo and Tajiri that could help with this? Dick Togo got his friend Taka Michinoku's job back. 
Kotaka bringing his JTO boys for more experience and exposure, kind of like the Lionsgate shows with 2AW, formerly known as K-Dojo. I'm not sure if there's anyone as good as Iyato Yoshida in JTO. Yeah, so kind of a lot to unpack there. I mean, based off of the reports that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, it does see seem like the, the real Forbidden Door is opening up and we're going to see New Japan working with other uh other pure companies this year Obviously it's starting with Noah But we've heard reports of other companies So I do think you know with the big 50th year uh, That they want to do some cool things They want to do some dream matches They want to do some big shows I think we will see a couple other cross promotion shows uh, In the 50th year um, Yeah I pretty much agree The only thing I don't know who he's speaking of That's leaving all Japan uh, But you know that could be a benefit Or a detriment to their Uh you know, if they did want to work with New Japan, because, you know, if you think about it very often, when you have a major company like New Japan and they work with a smaller company, that smaller company, unless they're really strong, they can get buried. And if they're losing three strong wrestlers and then they got a thinned out roster, maybe now wouldn't even be the right time for them to work with New Japan. It might actually highlight the kind of like glaring holes that they have. You know, I don't know. That's just some something to think about. As far as JTO, I don't know. I don't watch that shit, so I don't even know who's in Just Tap Out, like, at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be down for uh, Yoshida to come back. I love Yoshida. That's another guy I'd like to come back and work, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, next question, what do you think of Jose Aldo's impressive performance this past weekend? Even more impressive, he won with a negative 63 significant strike def- deficit. Aldo literally hits different. One of the best of all time. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. Aldo's the greatest featherweight fighter ever uh, in the history of mixed martial arts, period. And um, very, very, very impressive. My favorite thing about this performance was just the amount of groundwork that we got out of uh, Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo. Um, I've, I've really never seen him do that before, so that was pretty cool. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, he hits different. He hits really, really, really fucking hard. So, yeah, one of the best of all time. Then he asked, did you also check out Bellator's big fight between Koji Horiguchi versus Sergio Pettis? Horiguchi was also looking really impressive before he got hit with a knockout of the year contender. Totally agree. Uh, Big fight because Horiguchi was the previous champion before he left, uh, I think, due to injury, and he was returning. Never never actually lost the title. Sergio Pettis is the less famous brother of former uh, WEC and UFC uh, lightweight champion um, Anthony Pettis. And uh, good fight. Horiguchi was piecing him up. Looked like he was going to pretty much put – and I think he's also the Ryzen champion currently as well. Horiguchi is, but uh, so big, big, you know, fight between two of the best guys in the division, and Pettis fucking caught him, put him to sleep, which was surprising. But uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to see him run it back because I don't, I don't know if he could, I don't know if he does that to Horiguchi a second time. <laughs> uh, next question: What did you make of Javante Davis and Devin Haney's rather unimpressive performances against their smaller opposition? Do you think it was premature to mark Ryan Garcia, Tafima Lopez, Javante Davis, and David Haney as the new four kings? Yeah, I don't think they're the new four kings. Uh, We had the new four kings. That was a thing. It existed uh, in the smaller bodies of three Mexican fellows and the Filipino bodies of 
Juan Manuel Marquez, Eric Morales, uh, um, Manny Pacquiao, and freaking uh, Marco Antonio Barrera. So, and they almost all fought each other except for Morales and um, freaking Marquez. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got I all four of those guys are supremely talented. And really, really impressive. I mean, I like Lomachenko better than all four of them, though, personally. That's just me. But uh, Cam- this uh, this new Camboso kid, he's no fucking joke, man. So uh, lightweight's very, very, very interesting. Uh, I thought Devin Haney and Gervonta Davis both put in um, – I wouldn't call them unimpressive performances. They just didn't, like, starch the guys that they were fighting – uh, and they had tougher than expected outings, but I mean that happens. It's the fight game, so you know it doesn't mean that they're not special or you know talented or what have you. Uh, but it also means that the hype train might not be as uh, you know as hype as people thought it was. <laughs> mm. uh, his last question: Big fight weekend coming up. Quick thoughts on Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira. Noita Dornier versus Ray Mark Gabayo and Vasily Lomachenko versus Richard Comey. Uh, yeah, I'm not as familiar with Comey or um, Gabayo, but uh, you know, I love Nonito Donaire. I love Lomachenko. Um, surprised Donaire still doing this at this level after all these years. Um, definitely past the peak, but um, that one will be interesting to check out. I, I've got Loma. I think Loma is still everything that he's always been cracked up to be. And, you know, I, I would probably favor him against most of the guys at lightweight going forward. As far as Poye and Charles Oliveira, that's a tough one. Oliveira is one of my favorite fighters. Um, but, and, and he is talented, but he is, you know, he's a submission guy. He's definitely increased his striking in the past few years, but I mean, Against Poye, that's I mean, it's pretty simple. On the feet, it's Poye all day. On the ground, it's Oliveira, and even still, Poye is no slouch on the ground, and Oliveira's not necessarily. It's going to be a good fight. Um, I think I got Poye. I think Poye is going to knock out Oliveira. Mm. Although, if Oliveira grabs him, gets him in trouble, could tap him out. He's got he's got a lot of ways to finish him. Oliveira is incredible. That's why I love him. He's incredible on the ground. So. Then last question here from Don Homie 101, non-New Japan question. What are your guys' thoughts on the new era of NXT? How much heat does Triple H have with Vince and Triple H was unable to stop the rise of AEW? Damn, this is like the second week in a row we got an NXT question. I don't give a fuck about NXT. <laughs> I, I don't even want to like – I have thoughts. You know what? How about this? FOH draft is coming up. You want to hear my thoughts on NXT 2.0? And the death of the black and gold. Couple weeks. Tune in. You guys tune in. You guys might need to pay for it. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> might, we might be putting that shit behind a paywall this year. Yeah. So get 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 your monies ready. Well, that's but, gonna uh, wrap up the questions. Last thing here, recommended match of the week. Last week, I recommended uh, Nakajima versus Elgin from the 2016 G1. Need a chance to check this one out, Josh. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. Uh, it's really just an interesting match to watch in hindsight 
knowing who Nakajima is now and where he's been and where he's gone and what the future holds for him. And then kind of contrasting that to Elgin and where I was mistaken last year. I thought last year, I thought that 2016 was his first G1, but I think it's actually incorrect. I think 2015 was his first G1 and this was his second G1. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's what that might be the case. Uh, but anyways, he, he went into this tournament as the IC champ and was also like the champion in um, Lucha Libre Elite, which was like, you know, one of the bigger promotions at the time. So, I mean, this guy was kind of like riding high, Elgin was. And it's been interesting to kind of see the, the downfall of him. But, bro, did these guys go to war? They yeah, really, really, really went to war. knocker. Yeah, it's it's... I don't know, man. It makes me kind of miss that era of New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> like, I love what's going on now, but I'm like, the crowd, the hype, the physicality. Oh, it was awesome. You know, Kevin Kelly, not knowing what the fuck he was talking about at the time, just kind of struggling out there. But, like, him him and Steve Carino, like, they're, they're, they're doing their damnedest. <laughs> I, I miss Steve Carino on, on commentary. I like Steve Green. I like both of them, obviously. Yeah. I think Kevin Kelly's the best, but it's just funny. Um, but the match is incredible. And, you know, Nakajima's uh, – he got his start in wrestling at a very, very young age. So, at this point, he's like a longtime veteran, but he's also a young kid. So – and he's right on the cusp of getting ready to potentially win the GHC championship for the first time. So – they're really like trying to do some something with him uh, in this uh, G one, and so the idea that he could potentially get a win over, you know, this juggernaut in Big Mike, who's the the white belt holder at the time, was like kind of unthinkable. Plus, he not really he had a a good G one performance wise Nakajima, but you know he was already eliminated mathematically by the time this match happened, and. Elgin threw everything at him. They they both threw everything at each other, but towards the tail end of the match, like Elgin was just mollywhopping this kid. And then somehow he gutted through it all and got Big Mike up for that fucking uh brainbuster and put this man away. And the the Noah crowd is going crazy <laughs> and the the Noah seconds and these guys, I mean, bro, like when I say they they really fucking were hitting each other hard, they really, really, really were. And yeah. I mean twenty how long was this match? Like, I don't even, it felt like it was like 10 minutes, but it, it couldn't have been. I think it wasn't it like more like 20 minutes. Yeah. Like it was like, it felt like half the time of what it actually was. It was incredible. If you guys haven't, if you guys haven't seen it, go watch it. Plus to see a young, fresh faced Nakajima. And I mean, the guy that you're going to be seeing here shortly is, you know, a grimy, slimy bastard. who fucking <laughs> hits so hard. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. Nice. Well, you have a recommended match of the week for us for this week? I do, and I think it's uh, very, very fitting because it's going to continue with the theme of the last few weeks. It's going to be Noah versus New Japan, but it's also going to be fitting because it's a Katsuyori Shibata singles match. So it's right in line with uh, the upcoming impending announcement of whatever it is Shibata is going to be announcing. Now, in this case, this match takes place outside of New Japan. We're going to Noah, and the good news is, even though it's not on New Japan World, it's right there on YouTube for the entire world to see. Very, very easy to access it. And this match comes from Noah Great Voyage 2016 in Yokohama, 
Um, and it is a singles match between the current reigning never open weight champion Katsuri Shibata as he takes on Go Shiozaki. That should be a banger. It is. Uh, 8.11 on cage match. Uh, incredible, incredible match. Like, incredible. So, um, plus, Go just made his return to Noah and is going to be, you know, active and eligible to compete on these uh, Wrestle Kingdom shows, most likely, depending on what happens between now and then. So, that's uh, this would also be a good opportunity if you haven't seen it to uh, get a, a good look at um, him as well. Definitely looking forward to checking that out. And that's going to wrap things up for us here this week. Remember, please go out and vote in our year end awards bit.ly slash kiss awards 21. Get your votes in on that. Voting ends December 19th. Vote and share. Next week, we'll be back to uh, preview the Best of Super Junior 28 and World Tag League 2021 finals. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuitbucks.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, we are at KI Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. Also, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash social suplex. Also, in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Instagram, we are at social suplex. On Reddit, on the pro black guy, Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Reddit at, uh, email me, Jeremy at social suplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Inch Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati, All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin, and the AEW Match Guide podcast hosted by Sir Sam. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Ichiban, go out and vote. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.